What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 167. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I have been queuing up a storm. Not literal storm. I'm not smart enough to play storm. But uh, I've been doing a lot of cubing <laughs> on Arena, uh, on Magic Online. Do we have to have a new set yet? Can't we just let cube happen for a little bit? I'm ready for it, man. Let's go. All right. All right. Th- this set does look pretty great. and. Ugh. the cube will come back you know <laughs> it always does it always does all right on to our usual housekeeping before we jump into our other segments if you're not already in the discord do check that out it's the best place to be to chat all things mtg come say hi to us chat with the rest of the traficionados brag about your trophy decks and especially as we're coming into this new set of course the spoiler season channel has been popping off and we're going to be talking about a lot of cards today uh, but that's also a good place to go if you just want to chat about the new format, kind of see what people are cooking up, what kind of decks are working and what aren't. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to each and every one of our patrons who continue to support us. We are beyond grateful for all of you. So thank you so much for your support. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings. It was a long one this week, so definitely check that out <laughs> if you are a patron. And um, our Draft Chef Hero card signed by us and sent out to you with a handwritten thank you note. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Draft Pod. Oh, I always forget to add this. We need to like put this in the show notes, but uh, you also get a shout out on the show when you, when you sub to the Patreon. So mm. uh, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, patrons this week, make sure you listen to the pre-show. Um, we had some rather controversial takes on some of the uh, <laughs> some of the what's it called enchanting tales, uh, yeah. particularly about the aesthetics of them. So I don't know. Yeah, more to come <laughs> on the actual details of the cards themselves and how they interact in the format. But this was this was almost strictly an art discussion. <laughs> yeah, let's say we don't love them all. Yeah. All right, on to our crack draft type thing, Ben. Of course, it's a format breakdown, so we've got a little bit of something different here. What's going on? We're just going to run through what you're going to find in a pack of, whoa, uh, this, this new set, Wilds of Eldraine. It's coming out. We're running back to Eldraine. Uh, significantly less Oko nonsense this time around, which I'll take it. You know, that's good. Uh, he, he was a little nonsensical. Uh, no Okos in these packs, but you can expect to find 15 cards. Uh, you'll have one rare or mythic. Three to four uncommons, nine commons, one land, and it's going to be a full art in a third of the boosters. And then you're going to see at least one special borderless uh, enchanting tale of rarity, uncommon or higher, uh, which is why there's three to four uncommons. Um, But it could also be a mythic. It could be a rare or whatever. So you could have a pack with two rares or two mythics in it, which is pretty cool. And then uh, the usual foil replacing uh, replacing a common in a third of the boosters. So, uh, And that could be a, a foil of any rarity. So uh, unlike uh, some of the other sets before, uh, we're not seeing too much nonsense with this, the way that in in certain packs of March the Machine, there could be like a a billion uncommons or whatever. But here, this time around, um, looks pretty regular. Uh, We're guaranteed to get an enchanting tale in every pack, which makes them a pretty big part of the format. Yep. And um, I'm kind of glad with this. I, I appreciate the bonus sheets. I like that the packs aren't too crazy this time around. Sometimes with some of these recent sets, it's been kind of difficult to keep track of like what you can expect to open in a draft booster. So this is mm-hmm. relatively straightforward, and um, I'm, I'm cool with that. I think this is a, a nice little change of pace as far as how crazy packs have been lately. 
All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So, Ben, what's going on? Not a lot. Uh, today is officially my last day of summer, though. That kind of sucks. Tomorrow I go back to school. Uh, yeah, we, we start uh, our usual over the summer curriculum and professional development stuff. And I got to go get my classroom in order, do some dusting, uh, get some slideshows ready, all the stuff that comes with being a teacher. So uh, it's been a good summer, though. I can't complain. This is, I guess this counts as my tibble. I, I have a lot of work to do left even today before going back tomorrow. So. Uh, I guess I have to stop playing cube. Uh, but on the bright side, uh, I made it pretty far in this last arena open, this one this last weekend. I had a bit of a, I pulled a bit of a bad move, if you will. And uh, I, I qualified for the uh, day two at like 3 a.m. after getting back from a concert. And I was at the concert. I was like in between sets. It was low key. It was a Brooklyn Bowl, if you've been there. Um, it's like a bowling alley slash concert venue slash restaurant huh. bar. It's pretty cool. Uh, but in between shows, uh, I, I joked to my girlfriend. I was like, hey, I bet I could draft for the open <laughs> right now because it, it always takes so long for the next band to come on. And she was like, do it. <laughs> Why not? Uh, at this point, she does know that when I win cash, we go to a fancy restaurant. So she's in full support. <laughs> she's uh, all on board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have this Cuban place that we're, uh, we hit up <laughs> when that happens. So uh, I, I did, I drafted and I actually, uh, the band came on like as I was still drafting. So I let the auto picker do the last like half of the last oh pack for gosh. me. <laughs> You're about to infuriate a bunch of people who like agonized over every pick and didn't make day two. Look, I was listening to some like techno funk fusion while the auto picker was like, grabbing fixing for me i don't even i don't even know but anyway i wound up with like this blue black mid-range deck with like both kaitos and shouldred and a bunch of just good solid black value cards yogmoth has quickly become um or no gix servant of yogmoth has become one of my favorite cards in every cube uh it's just so good um that's the three mana three three whenever one of your things hits an opponent you can pay a life and draw a card and it's basically the one ring but it can attack like it, it just draws you so many cards. And if you have life gain, you can balance it. It was great. It was a great deck. And um, when we got home from the concert, I stayed up and uh, I, I got there just in the nick of time. with only a couple hours left on the, uh, on the thing. So next day I, uh, I entered the day two part one. I had a solid amount of white deck. Uh, I did lose uh, partially out of a bit of a punt on my part. So I didn't have the buy or the, uh, I guess I, I it was a, a one loss and I was out for the final round. And uh, I did get that one loss after getting the max amount of gems. I won the first match, uh, lost the second though. So I, I did as well as you possibly can without getting actual cash. <laughs> but uh, I think the prize was like 15,000 gems on arena. So that, that basically more than buys back your entry and uh, means I'm set up for next time. So can't complain too much, and uh, I'm not going to count this as an arena open win. I think you can only really count that if you cash. It's not. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I figured you'd have a take on this. We will not call it a win. We will call it a solid finish, uh, and I can't really complain. Yes. It, it was a great time. Um, I always love playing in those high-stakes events, and honestly, playing in such a high-stakes event gets me more pumped to play in more high-stakes events because... You know, we, we love our draft chaff here, but we're all about it. Like brewing up nonsense, 60 card casual decks and whatever new commander deck is on the horizon. But uh, I'm pumped for the modern RCQ season. So getting a little spiky over here. 
anyway uh yeah you know i I would say yeah i would say that you know like back in the older sort of versions of the pro tour and maybe they still do this i haven't watched pro tour in ages um when the casters would talk about a player or player would first come on camera they would they would kind of give you their resume and they'd mention like number of pro tour top eight finishes and stuff like that. This would qualify as like a PT or like a, an arena open top eight finish in my book, but you, you didn't win. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I can count that. Uh, I guess if, if you consider my record, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's probably not as good as you need to be for, for a PT top eight, but uh, like win percentage wise, cause the number of rounds you play are different. So I don't know. What's up with you? Yeah. Um, I'll start with my Tybalt. Uh, I took like a week and a half off from the gym, which is not always a bad thing, but, uh, I have been having basically ever since I went to see Oppenheimer at 10 45 PM on a Saturday night when I had to be up at like seven 30 the next day, uh, <laughs> I haven't been able to recover from like lack of sleep. So it's yeah. been like two and a half ish weeks now. And, uh, yeah, I just haven't been able to recover. So I took the week off of the gym to try to just get my sleep schedule back in order. And, and hopefully that will help kind of, cause when I'm not sleeping well, my, I like my form is off and, you know, higher risk of injury and all that kind of stuff. And it just all kind of compounds on itself. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully next week I'll kind of get back into that. I like reworked my routine this week on paper because that also gets me excited to go back to the gym is like changing my whole thing up. So, um, yeah, hopefully get back into that. Also, uh, I was talking to Ben about this before we started recording, but uh, my dog needs a bunch of dental work done and it's not cheap uh, and she's got to do that tomorrow. So um, not looking forward to that, but my dad's dog recently had a bunch of dental work done and he apparently acted like a whole new dog. It, like, It's like, uh, hmm. I don't know, taking your car in for like getting uh, like an oil change and like a tire change and all that kind of just like tune up kind of stuff. Um yeah, they they start running a lot more efficiently or something. So, uh, <laughs> gotta yeah, maximize your dog. He was like, efficiency. get ready for her to exactly. He was like, get ready for her to feel like a whole new dog. Who knows though? Like my dog is super lethargic and just kind of sleeps around. Maybe <laughs> if like uh, with with her teeth fixed, she's gonna be like super energetic, and that was the thing holding her back. I may not even want her. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's let's see. <laughs> yeah. Not probably. Gonna hold my breath. <laughs> Yeah. On my, on the Teferi side though, I have not been able to stop brewing commander decks. I've got two new ones nice. and I'm working on another one right now. So Jeez. in the last like three weeks, I think I've built seven or eight new commander decks. Um, but then you told me you I'm scrapped not, some, right? I, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not actually purchasing all of them, but I net, like I built them online. Um, I love that Moxfield has like a good testing tool on yeah. there so you can kind of goldfish all the decks you build before you awesome. go buy a single card absolutely love it um, sponsor us please <laughs> that would be sick we should try to figure that out um yeah. hmm, let's put a pin in that not so yeah not so approachable i guess for limited decks but maybe we can get them to build in like a sealed uh sealed deck kind of uh hmm. feature anyway um yeah so for the listener i i've been brewing a bunch of random stuff trying to get I'm kind of um, reinventing myself, I guess, or like trying to figure out my commander identity in terms of what decks I enjoy playing and, uh, you know, bits and pieces like that. I mentioned one deck that I still have not told Ben what the commander is or even what the color identity is or what the plan is uh, (laughs) that I'm building that I destroyed my group hugs deck for. Yeah, that's Um, the weirdest part. Like, 
What would you need all that? That stuff one for? I think is the most me deck I'm ever going to build. Maybe. Whoa. Uh, but I am building. I'm in the middle of building one now that I think will end up being my version of Ben's elk deck. In that it's just a <laughs> meme, but somehow really works really well. And uh, this is also a very me deck, so I'm I'm excited for this one. Interesting. Um, but I did build a new commander um, that I am very excited for and is not something I usually would do. But uh, after playtesting, I'm very excited about it. I actually ordered all the cards for it. So um, they hmm. might be in by the time we pre-release. We'll see. Hopefully. I'll be sure to bring a deck. All right. On to our main topic this week. Of course, it's the WoW format breakdown. Let's jump into it. If you're not watching or listening to this on Spotify or watching on YouTube, Go do one of those two things because we're going to show up a bunch of the cards on screen here. We've done some stuff with slides and, and such like that so that you can kind of see the cards we're talking about as we talk about them. Um, let us know in the Discord how you uh, enjoy that if you do. So before we jump into the cards, so typically as we do with all our format breakdowns, right, we're going to go through the mechanics that you can find in the set, uh, both new and returning returning mechanics. And then we'll go through the kind of two color vectors. Typically, this follows along with what Watsi puts out as like the signpost colors and uh, sort of vectors for the for the set. Sometimes we revisit these later on and actually add in a few vectors that we notice maybe weren't advertised, but are are kind of discovered by players as we go along. So uh, let's start with our first mechanic and i guess this is a mechanic the enchanting tales this is an, a huge aspect of the format we underestimated just how big this would be in the last time it happened in brothers war when there was this extra bonus sheet but we kind of got it right in, in martian machine i mean those legends were obviously nuts but uh here we see the same thing with enchantments so there are 63 fan favorite enchantments uh, one in every single booster pack of varying rarity uh nothing lower than an uncommon though. and honestly bonus sheets have been great and this one seems to be along the same lines. There will be a lot of high value reprints in there that might not necessarily be the best for limited. Uh, but there are some there are some that are built arounds, right? Like ones that uh, there's three different things that double the number of tokens you make. And there's definitely a lot of token makers in the set between food and rats and fairies. So uh, expect this to function pretty similar to the the Brothers or bonus sheet in that some of these are just going to be really integral to the, the the texture of the format. Yeah, that said, most of them are not worth drafting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of them that are absolute traps. Stay tuned for that list. All right, so next up, we've got these roll tokens. Ben kind of alluded to briefly there. And the roll tokens, well, there are a few of them, but we'll kind of briefly go over what they do and then, or how, how you make them. There are a bunch of cards that will say, create a X roll attached to target creature where the X will have some kind of word, right? So um, the interesting thing to, I'll, I'll go through all of the types of roles here in a second, but the interesting thing to note about the roles is that you can't have more than one role on a creature at a time. Mm. There may be some shenanigans to, to let that happen, but the cards that say create a role also will say in reminder text, if you control another role on it, put that one into the graveyard. And then enchanted creature has whatever that role provides. So let's go through what the rolls are. The first is Cursed, which says Enchanted Creature has base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Doesn't lose abilities or anything, but just base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. There's the Frogify. Monster roll. Yeah, essentially Frogify. <laughs> the Monster roll says Enchanted Creature gets plus 1, plus 1, and has Trample. 
Royal says enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has word one. Sorcerer, enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has whenever this creature attacks, scry one. Wicked, enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and when this aura is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. And young hero, enchanted creature has whenever this creature attacks, if its toughness is three or less, put a one one counter on it. That's a lot. There's also mm-hmm. an extra commander one that uh, we're not going to see here, but that is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's going to take me a long time to remember which one does what. I think they're relatively aptly named, so it shouldn't be too terribly difficult to remember them, but they're just a lot. This is like almost like printing six extra mechanics in the format. It pretty much is, yeah. It's nice that they all give like plus one, plus one, except I guess for the young hero, which does it a little more complicatedly. That that one seems strong in that it can grow a tiny creature to well, pretty big, I guess, max to a four, four, at least from that. Or X four, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these all seem pretty relevant, right? A lot of them are attacking focused. Uh, trample, when it attacks, scry one. When it attacks, put a counter on it. Uh, even when that R is put in the graveyard implies that it was getting into combat somehow. So this doesn't really strike me as a defensive mechanic. Uh, this does seem to be a way to push through damage, right? You picking uh, to give a certain buff to a certain creature can open up a new attack that wasn't there before. Um, or even, I guess, cursing one of your opponent's things uh, can, again, open up an attack that wasn't there before. So I, I do see this as a an overall aggressive vector mechanic assertive vector in that yeah and i think there are going to be different ways to build around sort of this concept of roles and actually our next mechanic kind of plays into that quite nicely right so we mentioned that when one role is put on if that already has a role on it that existing one is destroyed if only there was a way to make use of that before it happened right a sack outlet of sorts oh wait there is it's called bargain uh, a card with bargain will say you may sacrifice an artifact enchantment or token as you cast this spell and then if this spell was bargained and there's usually a bonus so this pairs really well with rolls uh, you can just sack a roll if you know you have one that's coming for kind of like for free automatically unless you want to like put multiple rolls on different things but the fact that these rolls are just staple to things uh, will make it easy to fa- have like free stuff to sack um, from what we've noticed the, the bargain cards, they're kind of a little below rate uh, without the bargain aspect. And they're usually pretty pushed with the bargain aspect. So a lot of the one the cards with bargain, uh, you wouldn't really want to cast them unless you're bargaining. So if you have bargain cards, make sure you have stuff that makes food, tokens, um, even just random little enchantments. Even enchantments that want to be sacrificed. One of the enchanting tales, uh, Hatching Plans, it's one of the blue it does nothing when it enters, but it says when this thing is put into the graveyard, you draw three cards. So if you bargain with that, you're getting your bargain bonus from your spell, plus you're ancestraling yourself. <laughs> like That's really yeah, strong. That's a spicy combo for sure. I think you know a lot of the cards we would be used to seeing something approaching this mechanic on would be maybe something like Village Rights, right? Where it's like a one and a black, and that actually is in the Enchanting Tales bonus sheet so you can look forward to seeing that card in in drafts as well but right it's like one in a black as additional cost to cast a sack a creature whatever draw draw two cards or whatever it is Mm -hmm. we usually see this as as an additional cost to cast 
do the thing. So you don't have a choice. You have to pay the mana and you have to yeah. also do that act. In this case, you don't have to do both. And so while they are slightly pushed kind of on the bargain side and you do have to do some setup to make sure that you can sacrifice a thing to, to do the bargain, they aren't just dead cards without them. So it's kind of nice to have that. You can think about that a little bit as upside though. Those cards are typically below rate as Ben mentioned uh, when you're not bargaining them. So our next mechanic here is celebration and celebration says as long as two or more non-land permanents entered the battlefield under your control this turn, do something. So this is another one where you kind of want to look for cards that are going to generate permanence for you. Any cards that ETB to create roles are going to be good for this purpose. Um, you're getting two right there off the bat with those. So keep an eye out for those things. And then um, there are some adventures as well that, that will help, you know, generate tokens or things like that. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely an aggressive mechanic as well. It's, it's featured a lot in red and white, which, you know, they want to be adding to the board plenty anyway. And uh, we're back on adventures. Adventures have returned, and adventures were kind of the like the smoothing mechanic of the set. Uh, a lot of mechanics, uh, a lot of sets nowadays have a mechanic that kind of lets you do something early, maybe something late, like foretell or cycling. Usually, it helps smooth out your mana. Uh, that's adventures. So there's adventures in the set. Some that like make you a treasure, or go get a land, or let you play an extra land, or something like that. And then uh, you can, or just cast it as a creature, right? Uh, this also works as inherent card advantage. I mean, every single adventure is inherent card advantage because it says you can cast the adventure as part of the spell. Uh, then you exile that spell and you can cast the creature or enchantment uh, later from exile. These are pretty much guaranteed two for ones. They are sometimes a little overcosted, uh, so that they're not just straight up like <laughs> broken. <laughs> but I mean, think about it. We've had some adventures that were... I mean, Adventures was the top deck in standard for ages, right? I mean, the, um, what was it? The Love Struck Beast Bone Crusher Giant deck with uh, Edgewall Innkeepers and, uh, what was it? The Lucky Clovers? Like, copying enchantments was straight up busted in standard. Uh, so hopefully they've, they've fixed it a little bit more this time around. Uh, think about ones that curve into each other well. For example, Love Struck Beast and Bone Crusher Giant naturally play on a curve. You bone crush something on turn two, and then you cast the giant on turn three. You pl you uh, use the love struck giant to make a one one on turn one, and then you play it on turn three. Uh, they're a little more awkward when the adventure costs like five, and then the creature costs three or something like that. It doesn't really curve into itself as well because then you're only getting the creature half if you're forced to play it on curve. Yeah, I will just to to avoid confusion. Of course, Bone Crusher Giant and Love Struck Beast are not in this set, so don't yeah, look for yeah, those cards in particular. But those are good examples of really well built in terms of curve uh, considerations. Um, adventures cards. This format does seem to have quite a few that have an adventure and the creature or enchantment because this time around we also have adventures on enchantments. Uh, where the the two are costed the same, so you actually have mm. some awkward curve considerations there as well, where you need to kind of figure out which one you want to cast on curve versus which one you may want to cast later. Obviously, you're getting more value out of adventure spells if you're casting the adventure side before playing the creature, because you can't cast the adventure after the creatures enter the battlefield uh, when you cast it normally. That said... There are also kind of a twist with adventures this time around in that there are off-color adventures. Yeah, these are cool. So as we go through this format breakdown, we're going to talk about the vector signpost uh, for each color pair, and then also talk about the kind of two-color 
split adventure. There's one for each color pair. Uh, so uh, we'll kind of get an idea of what those are trying to do. And who knows, maybe there will be some that are so good, uh, you would put them in any deck that can cast half, right? Maybe uh, like a white card with a green adventure, you still want to play that in like white blue. But then that also opens up the possibility of splashing. Maybe you get these like multicolor adventure piles. It could be cool. It kind of reminds me of like split cards, right? Where sometimes you'd play uh, just one half of them or you try to maybe manipulate your mana base so that you have the option to play both. I think uh, there's some kind of free ways to splash in this format. So we'll see how good they end up being. Let's get started with blue-white, which we are calling Stunning. Uh, Charay of Numbing Depths is two white-blue for a 2-3 Merfolk Wizard, and all of these are going to be legendary creatures at Uncommon. It says when Charay of Numbing Depths enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. Again, stun counters, uh, if a permanent with a stun counter would become untapped, remove a stun counter from it instead. So if something has like four stun counters on it and you have a spell that says untap target creature, this, is, this works a little differently than the old way. Uh, things used to get tapped down where they just wouldn't untap during the controller's next untap step. Now a stun counter would get removed uh, and it just wouldn't untap. And then it says whenever you tap one or more untapped creatures your opponent's control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. And uh, of course, if you want to follow along with this, um, I have this beautiful PowerPoint going into the background. <laughs> Look, I'm a teacher. I take making my slides very seriously, and uh, I, I, I spruced them up a little bit. Uh, this card seems pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is very much a me card. I love the idea of just <laughs> tapping things down. These are my, you know, my favorite color combo. Um, nothing to complain about here. I mean, a four mana two, three on rate is not so great, but um, it does get to tap down the thing, put a stun counter on it. So you're kind of frost linksing your opponent in a little bit of, um, which kind of makes up for having the, the slower, you know, the, the worst stats. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the card draw engine is great. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of this, you know, this, uh, vector can support. Obviously we're caring a lot about tapping untapped things. Yeah. And this obviously triggers off of itself. The only way this goes a little bit wrong is if they have no untapped creatures when you cast this because it only procs off of untapped creatures. Um, yeah, but that said, if your opponent is on turn four, if your opponent has nothing on the board that you can untap <laughs> or that you can tap, then you're yeah. probably doing okay unless they're super aggro and are just like attacking you with everything every turn. Yeah, so this is either probably really good uh, or you're super behind and it's not going to be good at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to lean towards this is this is good because there's plenty of support. Uh, speaking of which, we have Threadbind Click. I guess this is a friend of like... Vendillion click and misbind click and all those. Uh, we have a three and a blue, three, three flyer. It's a fairy. And uh, then our kind of off color adventure is rip the seams, two and a white, instant, destroy target tapped creature. Easy. <laughs> yeah, that's an awkward in that you kind of want to rip the seams after Sheree hits the board and the curve doesn't work out that way. But this is a good one that lets you curve the instant. Or the adventure into Threadbind Click. So, turn mm-hmm. three, destroy a tapped thing. Turn four, you've got a three three flyer for four. Seems like great value. This is a card that I will probably be taking highly, at, at least for the beginning of the format until we see how things shake out. Mm-hmm. And this type of card pairs well with counter spells or instant speed card draw, which there's a big card we got to talk about later uh, to go along with that. And then, you know, you do something like this on turn three, you destroy their attacking two drop, whatever, untap, play a three mana uh, or four mana three, three flyer. Seems perfectly fine. 
Let's go through the white cards uh, for this vector. So the uncommon I just I wanted to pick out here was Solitary Sanctuary. Um, something about Let It Go is coming to mind. I don't know. Something about... <laughs> this is the Let It Go card, right? She's built an icy castle. Uh, solitary Sanctuary. Is that not a, a lyric from Let It Go? Uh, two and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. And then it says, whenever you tap an untapped creature and opponent controls, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. So a disaster is if you have no creatures to put a counter on here. Uh, but, I mean, imagine you curve this into Sheree, right? Then you get to make her immediately into a 3-4 and draw a card off of it. I mean, this is just going to be so annoying to play against, <laughs> like the, the hardcore tap lock vector. Oh, yeah, and I'm loving everything about this. I can't <laughs> wait to play this game. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly pretty excited, too. This looks like a lot of fun. Hilda of the Icy Crown, I may or may not be making a commander deck for her. And obviously, we're getting a lot of gas here for that. Uh, the common here for this vector in white, plunge into winter. One of the white, instant, tap up to one target creature, scry one, draw a card. It does it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Also, um, well, I guess that doesn't pair super well with Sheree because you do need to tap untap uh, your opponent's stuff with Sheree to trigger. But if you can have other ways to... Well, actually, this does hit uh, your opponent's stuff, doesn't it? I'm just not reading properly. So this with uh, Sheree would let you draw two cards. Scry one, draw two. For yep. two mana. Sounds pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, th this is a, a super nice tempo card. I, I think to maximize this vector, you are going to want to play something on turn two. Probably turn one. Um, because otherwise, like, if your tempo is just holding them back, but they're still building out your their board, eventually you're just going to keep playing your lands. You'll draw a bunch of cards, but if you're not pressuring them, then stalling them doesn't really do much. So I, I do think you want to be pressuring your opponent in this vector. And that'll be easier because all their stuff is tapped and locked down. Right. So you can just kind of attack freely. Um, it's sort of like a tempo control vector. Yeah, imagine why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's look at the I, I will say... That that does mean in my book that Solitary Sanctuary is going to be a really high pick for this vector, right? Because yeah, it, yeah. it's adding to the board. It's also helping you tap down your opponent's stuff. I mean, one drop, two drop, Solitary, solitary Sanctuary is just going to be a brutal start for most of these decks. Mm -hmm. And um, I look forward to hosing my opponents quite a bit with this vector. Now, obviously, a card like Sheree or Solitary Sanctuary is better with a repeatable tap thing. Uh, Plunge in a winner is just like a one-off. So how about Ice Rot Sentry, uh, our uncommon here? Two in a blue. It is an elemental soldier at uncommon. It is vigilance, and it says whenever it attacks, you may pay one of the blue. When you do, tap target creature and opponent controls. I don't think I mentioned it's a 2-3. Three. So 3 mana 2-3 vigilance. And one of the attacks, you pay two, tap one of the things. And then it says whenever you tap an untapped creature and opponent controls, Ice Rot Sentry gets plus two, plus one until end of turn. Slow, expensive... A little clunky, but this thing is a three mana four four vigilance just by itself. Well, <laughs> that's five cool. mana four four vigilance. I guess uh, that taps yeah. your opponent's thing down. But, but yeah, you don't actually I mean, it gets need... through the red zone really easily. You don't yeah. have to pay the two. Yeah. Yeah. And this combines really well with something like Plunge into Winter, where you can tap something of theirs at instant speed to give it like a, a, a bonus. It has like weird, weird fire breathing. Ice breathing, I guess. Yeah. Tapping breathing. Now, when we first started looking at this set, uh, I made a comment like, if they give us a common Frost Links to support all this tapping stuff, 
then the vector will be golden. And they did. Snare Master Sprite is one blue for a 1-1 flyer. It's a fairy wizard, a common. When it enters the battlefield, you may pay two. When you do, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. You want like 10 of these in this deck. Oh, yeah. I don't think you can ever have enough of these. Yeah. This does exactly what I mentioned. You can play it on turn one, and then you start chipping in for a little bit of damage at a time. You start growing it with Solitary Sanctuary, uh, and they can never block it because you'll tap their flyer down, and then it can't untap during the next untap step. This thing is getting bigger. The Ice Rot Sentry is Vigilance and getting in for a million. This deck looks awesome. I'm super I'm excited so, for this vector. I agree, man. I'm so excited for this one. And honestly, Snare Master Sprite is probably going to be... The- the linchpin common for that deck oh yeah don't find these the deck's probably not coming together and it probably wasn't open <laughs> in yeah that seat you will have to fight over the snare master sprite with our next vector though which is fairly fairies in blue black our signpost vector here is obira obira dreaming duelist it's blue black for a 2-2 fairy warrior it has flash it has flying and whenever another fairy enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. So, pretty clear what we're looking to do here. Castings at instant speed, mostly fairies, drain your opponent out. And not even drain, I guess, just uh, make them lose life. Be careful attacking into two open mana when they have an island and a swamp. Yeah. So our kind of split adventure here, split color adventure is Spellscorn Coven. This is three and a black for a fairy warlock at Uncommon. It's a two, three with flying. When it ETBs, each opponent discards a card. And then the adventure here is Take It Back. This is two and a blue for an instant. Return target spell to its owner's hand. Kind of a remand effect. And Hmm. uh, this is another one that curves really well. Three mana into four mana. Let's you kind of do the thing. This is one that timing is going to matter a lot more on, I think, than than the last one we looked at, because obviously you want to have a spell that you care to uh, bounce your, back to your opponent's hand, but it hits any spell, so creatures, instant sorceries, enchantments, whatever, whatever you want to target. Um, and then obviously, if you're hitting the board with this while Obira's on the field, opponents are losing one as well as discarding a card. I'm a little suspicious of this card in that Remand effects tend to be best when you're asserting a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. And Obira does that pretty well, right? Your your fairies are draining them. It's a 2-2 two, two flyer for two. Like, that's just a good rate. But usually remand effects are best when you don't give your opponent the chance to have another turn to cast that spell you put back in hand. This is a, It's a very tempo positive effect. And then the body of Spellcorn Coven coming in and making them discard a card... In the sort of beatdown tempo deck that you want to be doing, you don't really care about how many cards your opponent has. So these two are actually fighting against each other. Like, I get it if your opponent has empty-handed or something. Then you put the one, their last card back in their hand and then make them discard it. Like, that's, right. that's obvi- that obviously works. But these two don't play well together from one half to the next. So a little suspicious of how good it'll be. Yeah, I also kind of expected Spellscorn Coven to be a 3-2, not a 2-3. That'd be much better, yeah. Um, also, I want to mention, I kind of just glossed over this with Obira, but Obira doesn't trigger herself. It's only an mm. other, another fairy, so just do keep that in mind when you're casting her. On to our blue cards here for this vector. We've got Picklock Prankster up first. This is one in a blue for Fairy Rogue at Uncommon. It's a 1-3 with Flying and Vigilance, and it has an adventure as well. Free the Fae. This is one in a blue for an instant. 
Mill four cards, then put an instant sorcery or fairy card from among the milled cards into your hand. So mill four is not nice. nothing. This is one that I kind of alluded to earlier where this, the tempo or timing is a little awkward because they're both two drops. So you do kind of need to figure out when you want to do one or the other. Though the fact that it hits instant sorceries and fairies is kind of nice. You can kind of build up this sort of flash game where you try to grab as many flash creatures as possible, but then also as many instants as possible, and you're going to likely hit with this no matter what. Four cards isn't nothing. It's not a ton, especially on turn two. So you may you may not always hit with this. You're definitely going to want kind of critical mass of instant sorceries or fairies. And um, the one three flying vigilance. I don't know why they gave this vigilance, but sure. <laughs> uh, think of it this way: this is an organ hoarder that you can split up over two turns. I guess. Am I wrong? With flying <laughs> and vigilance. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I do like the uh, the instant speed aspect of it. Yeah, Dude, this pairs really well with like maybe another two mana instant. If you had other of those in your deck, I don't know who would have that. Oh, yeah, almost like uh, our next card here, Spell Stutter. This is one in a blue for an instant at common target, uh, counter target spell, unless it's controller pays two, plus an additional one for each fairy you control. Fairy, I don't, hmm. they should have just, this should have just been a tribal instant. Yeah, I mean, there's Spell Stutter Sprite, which kind of does something similar, right? Um, yeah. Fluster Storm, that, that would have been a cool thing. They should have made a Fluster Fairy. I don't know. Uh, I like it. <laughs> I mean, other decks will want yeah. this, but this is obviously at best in the Fairy Vector. Yeah, definitely. And uh, otherwise, it's fine. Yeah. In black here, we've got a few cards for you. Ego Drain is first up. This is black for a sorcery at Uncommon. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. If you don't control a fairy, exile a card from your hand. Yeah. Okay. So they reprinted Thoughtseize. They just gave fairies (laughs) a Thoughtseize. And I mean... You obviously can't do this on turn one because unless you have a zero mana fairy somewhere, uh, you'll be pitching a card yourself and you never want to cast this without a fairy in play. Like that is that is just so yeah, bad. That's pretty bad. Unless it's the super late game and for whatever reason, they're, you think they're holding up like a counter or something and you have a spare land in hand. That's the only exception. But otherwise, um, they gave fairies a couple pushed cards here, which is why I actually put another one in here. Uh, I mean, look at fairy fencing. This thing is nuts. Yeah, fairy fencing is X black for an instant uncommon. Target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn. That creature gets an additional minus three minus three until end of turn. If you controlled a fairy as you cast this spell, that is a big line of text right there. Because a lot of times <laughs> these cards will say it gets an additional minus three minus three if you control a fairy, which means it has to resolve. You have to have a fairy as the spell resolves. This just doesn't care. If this yeah. if there's a fairy on the on your side of the board, when you put this on the stack, you're good to go. Good card. Yeah, that's Black that's pretty for crazy. Minus three minus three at minimum. And like yeah. the fairy deck will want this most, but again, kind of similar to the counter spell, other decks will fight over it. I don't think other decks are gonna want ego drain. Probably not. And I will say ego drain may have some interesting play patterns on keeps like if your opponent mulled to six and you have a car you have a, a hand where you're like on the fence about mulling maybe you have one too many lands but you also have an ego drain in hand i'd probably just not mull keep it and mm. ego drain on one because that's functionally a mull yeah but you know you're Plus putting your opponent that much for <laughs> right yeah 
Mo with a guaranteed thought sees, I think is still probably pretty good. So there might be times where you want to play this on one, but likely you're going to want to wait till turn two or three to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get this out on, um, without really harming yourself. Our last black card here is Stingblade Assassin. This is three and a black for a fairy assassin at common. It's a three one with flash flying. And when Stingblade Assassin enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls that was dealt damage this turn. Okay. Um, not like quite an, a, a Chupacabra, but it is, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good card, fun card. It's one of those kind of gotcha cards where you may be able to kind of set up attacks in a certain way that uh, maybe they have good blocks, but you're not trading, and then you get to kind of pick off their creature with this afterwards. This also pairs really well with expendable tokens. Maybe you have like three or four rats or something, or three or four, even little one, one flyers, and you just swing with all of them because you know, your opponent with like their three, three flyer, like, Oh, okay. They're just trying to get some damage in. I'll eat one of them. And they go surprise your thing dies. Uh, It kind of guarantees a trade that might not have happened otherwise. And this one has three power. That's not irrelevant, right? A four mana, three power flyer with flash. That has some utility to it. For sure. Plus, uh, and I will say, you kind of highlighted there for a minute, but the rat tokens in this set can't block. So you're not going to mm-hmm. look weird for just throwing them into the red zone. Like exactly. those won't a lot of times when you're just throwing random creatures into the red zone, your opponents are like, what do they have in hand? Like, why are they doing this? With those rats, you can't hold them back to block. So you may as well get rid of them, throw them in the red zone, or sack them in other ways. So you probably will be able to get some people with this. And those rats. Notably, um, this pairs well with other methods of dealing damage. Like maybe you had a, uh, they have like a 5-5 five, five, and you have a shock and this in hand. You can kill it with that. Speaking of rats, oh rats. We've got our next vector <laughs> up and it is black red rats. And this one, this is a funny one. I mean, this is a second kind of token making vector, but it's, well, let's talk about Totentons. Sounds like a David Lynch character. Totentons Swarm Piper. One black red for a 2-3. Look at how small that text line is. Legendary <laughs> creature, human warlock bard. Sure. <laughs> Whenever Totentons, Swarm Piper, or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 black rat with this creature can't block. So rats, they're 1-1s, they're black, they can't block. And then it says, one of the black, target attacking rat you control gains death touch until end of term. Like Ooh. Zach mentioned, you're just going to swing with a bunch of rats sometimes, and this makes swinging with a bunch of rats a lot more appealing. It guarantees they trade, similar to what the uh, the fairy did. Well, this is another one where, we not another one from this format breakdown, but we talk about this a lot in different sets. Threat of activation here is everything. You have mm-hmm. any number of rats, they're getting in, your opponents are not likely to block them, because if you have two mana up, you can just give any of them death touch, so, yeah, I love it. Unfortunately, it doesn't make a rat when it enters, uh, but when it dies, right. it's obviously too late to use its ability. So maybe look for ways to recur, um, bring back Totentons. It seems like a pretty important piece of the vector. We can talk about Kalisel Sword. That's one of the black for a 2-2. It enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each creature that died under your control this turn. I mean, maybe you swing with a bunch of rats and you can kind of... It's almost like you sacrifice the rats to put their power as counters onto the cell sword. This could be like a two mana four four or five five if your opponent just you know blocks a couple, maybe trades off. Sometimes your opponent will have to block the rats. Uh, I think one thing that 
is kind of historically true is that when you have creatures that can't block and are kind of expendable, they're at their best when your opponent is at a lower life total, right? When your opponent is forced to trade with them. Uh, sort of like the decayed zombies, where the decayed, decayed zombies were at their very best when your opponent was at two life and they were real attackers. Well, the lower your opponent is, the more real a 1-1 camp block is. We should talk about Burn Together, the adventurer. This one's a sorcery. Uh, it just costs one red, staple to Callus Sellsword. It says, target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to any other target, then sacrifice it. This is a very weird fling. I don't get why it's templated this way. Because it's a sorcery? Yeah, it's also strange because you kind of want... Like, if you look at this, this package is really... You want to play this on turn three, where you burn together your opponent's creature, you sack your thing, then you play Callous Sellsword to get the buff from it. Whereas they look like it curves into itself, it doesn't really. You kind of, kind of want to play them on the same turn. So it's sort of like a fling in that you can... But you can respond to this. When you put fling on the stack, sacking of the creature is an additional like cost of casting, right? You, you sack your 10-10, and that's 10 damage coming at them. But you could target your creature with this. Say you target your 4-4 whatever. Your opponent could counter it, and then you're left with a 4-4. Um, that's kind of good, right? Because if they counter your fling, your creature is gone. It, it's lost, right? But yeah. that is the upside of being instant speed. So I guess it's like a different fling, right? It. Oh, this can't hit face. Oh, no, it can't. It can't. It can't hit face. That's good. So sometimes you will just top deck this, kill your opponent, right? But uh, it has the downside of not being instant speed, but the upside of you don't lose your creature as part of the cost. This doesn't pair that well with rats, though, because rats are just one power. I guess this could be a two mana three three, and you just fling the rat at something. If you just got like one rat laying around, you can make it trade with their X one or just hit their face with it. I don't know. Uh, this has got some utility to it, but I don't know how good it's going to be. Yeah, you may be able to set up some games where you do end up with a big creature and you can fling for the win, kind of. And then if if for some reason they can't you can't kill them maybe they have some incidental life game they sack a food or something you at least get to play the cell sword for a bit of a buff um yeah feels a little awkward and i will say so far totentons feels to me like the weakest of the signpost vectors or vector signposts we've had here um on its face yeah. really it's just a three mana two three so i almost feel like what about like green red a deck that, you know, cares about having giant creatures ramping into them. I wonder if there's a green-red deck that would just play Burn Together as just the sorcery, just a sorcery speed fling. Maybe if you're, you know, in this uh, set, they care about having big power creatures. I mean, that pairs a lot better with Burn Together than like the 1-1 rats. I don't know. Yeah, we can keep an eye on that as we get through these vectors here. But let's move on to our black cards for this vector. The first is uh, Ratatouille, Lord Skitter's Butcher. Two and a rat black. Ratatouille? Right, Ratatouille. Three. <laughs> um, Lord Skitter's Butcher is two and a black for a rat peasant at Uncommon. It's a 2-3. And when he enters the battlefield, choose one. Create a 1-1 one, one black rat with this creature camp lock. You may sacrifice another creature. If you do, scry two, then draw a card. Or creatures you control gain menace until end of turn. Again, that's creatures, plural, so all of them. Um, this is nice. I mean, three mana, two, three with just tons of uh, variability. You can kind of pick and choose what you need to do, modularity in, in that way. So 
Um, I like it. I also love the Ratatouille reference, and uh, I'm here for all of this. And a kind of similar version, but a downgrade, Voracious Vermin. Two and a black, 2-1. When it enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 rat. Can't block. And then it says, whenever another creature you control dies, put a 1-1 counter on Voracious Vermin. Seeing a theme here, when your rats die, they kind of buff up your other rats um, and other stuff. Yeah, seems good. I mean, a, a three mana, uh, make two bodies, and black has historically always been great, and this one has the ability to grow. Yeah, I am a little sad they didn't print a rat that's like like those traditional rats where it's like for every rat you have with the same name, they, they all get oh, buffed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Might have been just too straight up nice. good. Yeah. Can I interest you in a tattered ratter? Yeah. This is a one and a red human peasant for a 2-2 that says whenever a rat you control becomes blocked, it gets plus 2 plus 0 until end of turn. Okay, so now we're turning these these little 1-1s into like serious threats in terms of blocks. This is awkward because essentially just gives them all unblockable, right? For, you know, all intents and purposes because nobody's going to block in front of this if block your rats if this is on the board um that said sure i guess if this just said your rats have unblockable that would be fine too and last up here we've got rat catcher trainee this is one of red for a 2-1 human peasant at common as long as it's your turn rat catcher trainee has first strike and then there's also an adventure here pest problem this is two and a red for an instant create two one one black rat creature tokens with this creature can't block Super awkward. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want the pest problem. I, I guess this pairs well with two drops, right? I mean, th- this is good in multiples where on turn four, you can, you know, on turn three on their end step, you pest problem, turn four, you untap, you play this and like another two drop. Actually, Tattered Ratter would be a good one to play alongside that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess you kind of have to get a little bit more creative with how, what your curve looks like and how you're actually using that curve to make this card feel really good. I think most decks that are going to play this will want them for the pest problems, but then, yeah, if you can find ways to um, just take advantage of your mana on turn four, you'll probably be happy with this. I do like the flavor of this. It's a rat catcher where they keep getting out and she keeps catching them again and they keep getting out. <laughs> uh, yeah. She can actually attack straight through rats as they can't block, uh, even has first strike, but then it loses first strike, so she can't block the rats so uh kind of a funny little little card there all right on to red green which we're dubbing not so little red riding hood with the signpost of ruby daring tracker this is red and a green for a one two human scout it has haste and whenever ruby daring tracker attacks while you control a creature with power four or greater ruby gets plus two plus two until end of turn then she also has the ability to tap add red or green the old hasty mana dork. <laughs> yep. Gotta love uh, it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, we, a 2-3 that becomes a 3-4 with haste in the end, like later on. Yeah, and it's a mana dork. It's not bad early. It's not blank late. Seems perfect. Yeah, we also, you know, this is kind of a recurring red-green theme, this whole power four or greater thing. I, I don't know if they ever keyworded that one, but um, Yeah, I guess, you know, obviously we're looking to kind of get big creatures. Those big creatures likely cost more, so she's kind of helping support both areas there. Um, And then, yeah, she's just attacking as a a 3-4 when you do have those creatures out, so pretty nice. Next up is Picnic Ruiner. This is one in red for a Goblin Rogue. It's a 2-2 at Uncommon. 
Whenever Picnic Ruiner attacks while you control a creature with power 4 or greater, Picnic Ruiner gains double strike until end of turn. Nice. And then you have the adventure side, Stolen Goodies. This is 3 and a green for a sorcery. Distribute 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters among any number of target creatures you control. Nice. Good effect. Yeah, notably this will pay really... Yeah, pairs well with multiples. will pair really well with the Enchanting Tales. There are three of mm. those. Uh, I think only two of them actually affect counters, uh, but um, you know there are those cards to look out for too. This is again kind of one with awkward sort of timing because you would rather get that two drop out for curve purposes. Four mana put three counters on things probably isn't super useful in terms of like where you want to spend your mana. This deck probably would rather just play a big four drop, but. Um, it does help you get to that kind of threshold of having power for a greater as well. If you're not able to find those creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about Ruby. That's pretty cool. It's not another creature with power for a greater. So maybe you use stolen goodies to put three counters on her. Uh, and then she's what a, a four or five then would attack as a six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Almost All seems right. like the red green deck. <sighs> This is obviously not the best thing to play on turn two because unless you're playing a three power three or a four power three drop rather, that could be good. But I feel like red green might just want to jump straight to four drops. I think Ruby and the other common mana dork is like a one of the green satyr. Uh, it, it's just a dork. Um, maybe that's what you want to do on turn two instead. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't given the option between a mana dork and just like a random two two for two. I think, yeah, in this, in this deck, you're definitely going to want to play the, ran- the, the Mana Dorks. Mm-hmm. On to red, we've got Monstrous Rage. This is red for an instant at Uncommon. Target creature gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. Create a monster roll token attached to it. And just to remind you, the monster roll is plus 1, plus 1, and trample. This is good. <laughs> yeah, talk about your combat tricks. 1 mana, plus 3, plus 1, and trample? Not so shabby. Yeah. It seems like the rolls might be a good way to get that four power creature, right? Um, you could probably True. grow one of your little dorks up to that. And, and I, I like that they stay around. I mean, this is a combat trick that leaves something behind. So I like it. Yep. And next up, we've got Grabby Giant. This is three and a red for a four, three giant at common. It has reach. It has also an activated ability of two and a red for sacrifice an artifact or land. Draw a card. So that's pretty solid. Four mana, four, three reach with some upside of mana sync later on. And if you flood, you can kind of help yourself out with that. Um, pretty solid. I will forget this has reach repeatedly. <laughs> yep. And then it also has an adventure called That's Mine. This is one in red for an instant. Create a treasure token. So this is a great combo, right? Turn two, mm-hmm. That's Mine. Turn three, play your, your land, grabby giant, ahead of curve. Good to go. Yeah, or in the late game, you could, that's mine, play the Grabby Giant, and then maybe next turn you sack that treasure uh, to draw a card. Yep, that too. Pairs well with food. Um, notably, you can't sack enchantments, which do seem plentiful. So uh, I also like that this giant has like Wreck-It Ralph proportions. Yeah, yeah, those arms are gigantic. All right, so next up in green, we have Agatha's Champion. This is four and a green for Human Knight at Uncommon. It's a 4-4 four, four with Bargain. And again, that means you can sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token as you cast it. It has trample. 
And when Agatha's champion enters the battlefield, if it was bargained, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. So there's a five mana four four yeah. trample at base, a little bit below rate. Typically, we'd want to see this at like maybe four mana. Although it's this one's not bad, really. It's 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 pretty good. But if you can bargain it, it's also got a fight spell attached to it, which is just fantastic. So, so good. Yeah, and like it's a four four. This can this is gonna kill something for sure. It might not kill the biggest thing that that you need it to, but at worst. You know, this can still take down like a 5-4. I mean, this is Green's probably best approximation to Ravenous Chupacabra, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Imagine blinking this or getting it back from the graveyard or... I mean, this is a good one. Yeah, I will say the blink probably doesn't work, right? Because you don't cast it again. Oh, oh, right. No, it's a cast. Yeah, okay. So you just want to get this back to your hand somehow and then recast it. Yeah, bargains on cast. And next up here, we've got Verdant Outrider. This is two and a green for a human knight at common. It's a 4-2, and it has an activated ability of one and a green. Verdant Outrider can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less this turn. So that's a pretty solid little two, uh, three drop there, right? Four, four mana, sorry, three mana, four, two, that you can kind of throw some mana into to make it unblockable. I think works really nicely, and obviously at two toughness, uh, these cards kind of get outclassed pretty quickly. So being able to kind of force your opponent to block it with a real creature at that point is, is pretty nice. Otherwise it's doing the four power thing. That's a reasonable amount of damage that your opponent's not going to want to take forever. So yeah, this seems like a solid little common for this deck. Here's a reason to play that picnic ruiner on turn two, right? If you have a verdant outrider in hand, this just seems like maybe the most solid three drop with four power you can get. Next up, we've got our green white vector, which is just enchanted, you know? In Enchantress.deck. We've got Sir Armand the Redeemer. Three green white for a 4 4 human knight. When it enters the battlefield, create a monster roll token attached to another target creature you control. And it has the usual stuff. If that creature already has another roll on it, you kill that roll. And then the enchanted creature gets 1 1 and trample. Then it says enchanted creatures you control get plus 1 plus 1. Nice. Uh, very clear what this thing wants to do. This one does work with flickering. And I think there is at least one, one flicker card in the set. Well, anyway, Sir Armand uh, does not do anything if you have no other creatures. So yes. uh, green-white does want to have a pretty good-sized board and make sure you have a good target for this. And I probably wouldn't cast this if your opponent has like a kill spell up uh, or, or mana open to, to interact because you can get pretty blown out if this ends up just being a 5-mana 4-4 four, four, no text. But uh, the, the enchanted creatures get 1-1. One, one. That seems pretty relevant. And you're giving something... 2-2 two, two and trample just when it enters. So on rate, you are getting 6-6 six, six worth of stats. Uh, it seems pretty good in, in the right deck. Yeah, I think looking at this, I kind of wish they had printed it as 5-mana 3-3, three, three, create a monster roll token attached to 8, like target creature, so she could so put it on herself. It on itself, yeah. And then I guess it'd be a 5-mana 6-6 six, six with upside, which maybe is still too good. But So we've also got Woodland Acolyte here. 2 and a white for a 2-2, two, two, Human Cleric, an uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Look at that. Okay. Wow. Uh, Go white. (laughs) It it doesn't say your opponent draws a card on it, though. So, you know, I I think that's why it's only a 3-3. They had to nerf uh, Farset Adept. (laughs) Right. Um, This is actually just a strictly worse Farset Adept. It's it's only got, you know, 2-2 instead of 3-3. And then it has Men the Wilds. Instant. Uh, it's a green, just single green mana. Put target permanent from your graveyard on top of your library. 
man, this is the top deck of all top decks. If your bomb got killed earlier, you rip this off the top, you put your bomb back on top, it enters, you draw it, and then you cast it again. This thing seems cool. And this gets any permanent. So sneakily, you can get pump spells if they're adventures. Right, yeah, because the adventures are attached to permanents. So you do kind of also kind of have the option to yeah pick up instants and sorceries with this too. Good, good, uh, good point there. This is... A, a, just a solid white uncommon uh you're gonna want these yeah. in every white deck whether you're playing green or not and if you are playing green more power to you um <laughs> these will probably be some of the highest picked white uncommons and i don't expect to see them come around the table very often unless white green's like unplayable but <laughs> nah. Yeah, sometimes these regrowth effects they're just too narrow and you don't really want to slap that into a it's not really worth a whole card in a deck sometimes, especially green-white, where you'd rather curve out with creatures. Uh, but this kind of just has it stapled onto a great body, so I like it. Yeah, I will say, too, this Woodland Acolyte, while it is white-green in terms of the color breakdown for the adventure and the creature, this isn't one that isn't really synergistic with white-green as a vector outside of the fact that it's a creature that can wear enchantments. So, <laughs> yeah, don't don't feel like you need to play this in a, in a white-green deck. Put this in any white deck. I don't think I would say put this in any green deck, though. If you're not playing white, yeah. it's probably not worth it. Yeah, this doesn't play super well with the uh, the rolls thing, which, I mean, Sir Armont makes it pretty clear that you want to be doing stuff with rolls and, and putting auras on your creatures. This has nothing to do with that, but whatever. It'll wear them nicely. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm getting on the soapbox. The Princess Takes Flight is awesome. I love this card. Two and a white. It's a saga. At uncommon, it says exile up to one target creature. Then target creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains flying until end of turn. That's chapter two. And then chapter three is return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. This oh, is just a flicker man. spell, right? Delayed flicker. You don't you don't target your opponent's stuff with this, do you? Or you do, and then you just kill them. I know but you're going to say that. Yes, it's so good. If, if you just kill your opponent with this, let's say your opponent's at five. They have like three blockers. You look at this and you go, I can just use this to exile their biggest thing. Then the next turn, like you get a, a decent attack and maybe kill them there on the spot. And then the next turn, you get to pump one of your things, 2-2 two, two and flying. Like that, that's really good. Also notable, the fairy tokens can't block. Uh, oh no, they can't block flyers. Shoot. All right, whatever. Maybe they won't leave one back. Maybe you'll get them anyway. Uh, this doesn't have read ahead, so you're doing the usual saga thing. This can flicker something with a good ETB. Notably, both Sir Armand and Woodland Acolyte have pretty great ETBs that you would want to re-trigger anyway. Uh, this also helps knock off hostile auras, right? There's a pacifism in the set. Uh, maybe your thing got a cursed roll attached to it. Your, your Sir Armand got turned into a 1-1. Imagine you flicker Sir Armand with this. This is a mid-range card that kind of slants aggressive. It has, it's mid-range with assertive applications. It is going to be one of my favorite cards in the set. I'm calling it now. <laughs> are, you, are you putting the soapbox away? Are you done? <laughs> Onto the common, which is Slumbering Keep Guard. One mana, one, one. Whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. And then you can pay two and a white. It gets plus one, plus one until in a turn for each enchantment you control. And I don't think it's going to be that hard for that to be like plus four, plus four. It's sort of like a threat of activation type card that pairs well with instants. Uh, and it just whenever an, an enchantment enters the battlefield, scry one. I think that's going to help you find more enchantments, right? Uh, this pairs well with things that create rolls. Uh, this will pair well with a lot of the enchanting tales. 
Um, and this does pair well with, you know, the cheap ones, ones that'll come in quickly. Uh, and I think this is, this is a lot of value for your one, one. Yeah. And I think this, this vector is going to show us that really those, I think we normally, when we read an effect like this, you're like, yeah, how many enchantments are you running in your deck? The enchantments in this deck are not enchantments at all. They're really creatures because they're just creatures that ETB to add a roll to something. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to get incidental upside for this at what point are you happy using three mana to get plus one plus one? Yeah, you probably want it to be four or or higher, right? I mean, three mana plus three plus three, I guess is fine. Then this is overall a four mana four four with upside. That's still probably fine. But really, you're not happy mm-hmm. if this is less than three. Now you can pump that multiple times. This is a one one that can just kill them in the late game. Like this sort of reminds me of the basking rootwalla, the one with the domain that you could pump for X for X was its domain. Um, in that. This can threaten to attack for like ten on, on your one mana one one. That's <laughs> and true. It's yeah, to in find the late game, this stuff. is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, a uh, lot of application for for your little little guy here. In green, we have Tangle Span Lookout. This is our uncommon. We've got two and a green for a two three Seder at uncommon, and it says whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Classic Enchantress. Just whenever you make a roll, you draw a card. Nice. And uh, we've got Troublemaker Oof. <laughs> oof. Uh, your opponent's going to be saying oof when you cast this because it's one of the green for a 2 2 oof with bargain at common. Uh, and it says when it enters the battlefield, if it was bargained, exile, target, artifact, or enchantment, an opponent controls. I mean, in a set that's so heavily themed around enchantments, uh, you're, you're just going to occasionally come up against an opponent with a busted. Uh, enchanted tail or whatever right or or like a really good um even like an oblivion ring effect when you get to like just exile it for good and it's not exile until this leaves the battlefield it's just gone yeah i mean this is going to be a a two for one most of the time when you sack like a i don't know like a token or a food or some garbage you have laying around you're going to feel like you really got them with troublemaker groove i'm thinking this one's going to be a must play for green decks and then worst case you just play a two mana two two right Right, yeah, and I think that's the the real key with this one. This is a bargain card that is just fine without bargain. You're just really happy to have the 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 options to do the bargain thing if you want to do that. And sometimes that might be like sack your young hero roll to get rid of your opponent's cursed roll that's on one of your creatures to make your creature yeah. a real creature again. But it hits artifacts too, so there's just a ton of, you know, modularity with this card too tons of flexibility and options i love it a lot and i think uh probably in the running for top green common that i can think of or at least in top five right some goofball is gonna play phyrexian on life and go to like negative five and i'm gonna slam this (laughs) yeah you are (laughs) you're gonna feel great about it yeah all right on to white black nightmare fuel this is well, I think this is an interesting one. Our signpost here is Neva Stalked by Nightmares. This is two white black for a human noble. It's a 2-2 with Menace. When she enters the battlefield, return target creature enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. And whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on her, then scry one. Okay. Now, hmm. this is like turbo rolls, right? Because every time you put a roll on, the last one goes to the graveyard. It leaves immediately because it's a token. But, you know, I guess you just want to make as many rolls as you can. Seems that way. Yeah. And this one, 
I I appreciate that this one lets you get back creatures or enchantments. Hmm. So even though your rolls go to the graveyard because that's how the game works, you're not actually able to get them back with this because they they they're tokens, so they yeah you know state based effects remove them from the graveyard. But this does let you get the creature back that maybe generated the roll, and then you can also just grab random enchantments uh, as well if you happen to have those in your graveyard. So I do like this card quite a bit. It feels like a nice full package. Four mana, two two with menace, not where you want to be. So you really do need the rolls thing or enchantments thing going to make this card playable. But in the decks that can really do that, I think this is one of your linchpin cards. I was thinking about it. Like, let's say it's turn three. You swing your three drop into their three drop. Your opponent trades off, uh, implying that they want to play the long game, right? If they were playing an assertive game, they just take the damage and try to swing back. But if yeah. your opponent trades off, then you just go, okay, never get back my three drop. And then you're set to start True. churning up a ton of value. It's a grave digger, right? Like four mana two two, get a thing back from your graveyard on ETV. Yeah. I, when I, when yeah, I saw right. it first, I was like, yeah, this seems a little, little understated, but I think Menace is actually pretty good. It's going to grow. If this thing becomes a four four menace, then that's that's like a real a real body to deal with. Uh, well, that's I, I, like I mean that's the key right there. The fact that it grows because I think if this just sat around, yeah. like the menace didn't matter because you're not attacking as a two two even with menace in the late game. But the fact that it grows, it gets bigger, it's going to do its thing. I do like that, and scry. you're getting the incidental value back just because it's going to get you a creature out of the graveyard. So even mm-hmm. if they kill it before it can really start to accrue value, you've already gotten a card back, so you're you're good, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely definitely like the card. I was a little, uh, you know, I was a little unhappy with the stat line, but yeah, after talking it through there, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, implies it's a super grindy vector. Yeah. On to our adventure, Shrouded Shepherd. This is one in a white for a two-two Spirit Warrior. At Uncommon, when cool it art. enters the battlefield, it's very cool art. When it enters the battlefield, target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Hmm. And it has an adventure at sorcery speed called Cleave Shadows, one in a black. Creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. Sorry, rats. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a two drop that's not good on turn two. Um, yeah, I mean, this this just demolishes the rats and the, and the oh, and fairies too. Wow. So again, a great way to stabilize if your black-white deck was getting overrun by a bunch of little rats. This will this will take care of that. But then playing this on turn two, it just doesn't really do anything. This is the one that you kind of do want to just let sit in your hand for a while. It's just otherwise it's just a two-two. I guess it's fine to trade it off and get it back with Neva. It's got it's flexible, right? It, it's a flexible enough card that this will be good. It does feel like this card was supposed to have flash on it, though. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, if it had flash, it could ETB uh, pump itself as a blocker and maybe trade up for something really, really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this is just kind of a modal thing. If you want a body on the ground, you play the body. If you don't and your opponent's kind of going wide with tokens, you just play the Cleave Shadows and then get the body later. Not one that I'm super excited about, but um, they're probably... I'm, I'm going to probably cast this more as Cleave Shadows and almost not even care about the creature most of the time. And honestly, every black deck would want this for the sideboard, right? Like in case they play yeah. the heavy rats matchup. And it's just stuff your opponent controls. So even if you're playing rats, you'd probably still take this and just side it in against the rats mirror. All right. So for white, we have Knight of Doves. This is two and a white for human knight at one. Uh, and it's a one three at uncommon. Whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a one one white bird creature token with flying. This isn't murmuring mystic, but 
We're almost there. Mm. We're, we're kind of trying to make it work. Enchant- Enchantress murmuring mystic. Yeah. What? I, this is, this is the type of effect that's usually capped by once per turn. And this and one's not here. I like it. I agree. Yeah. This is again, the, the, the value of this card is completely contextual. So this is why this is a really good one from a vector perspective. This could be the best card in your deck. If mm-hmm. you have a lot of really cheap, really easy ways to make rolls, or you're making tons of enchantments, Knight of Doves is going to put in a lot of work. It's going to be a great three drop. If you have like a two or three, maybe even four ways to make rolls, you probably don't really care about Knight of Doves that much. It's still going to yeah. be a player yeah. in your deck. It's still going to be okay. But yeah, this really cares about the context of the deck that you're putting it in. And this is a fragile card, right? Like basically anything can attack into it except an X one, uh, like a two, two, let's say your opponent attacks their two, two into this. Like, do you risk it dying to whatever that monster, uh, pump spell was the three, yeah. two trample. Like that this thing is a, is a little, you want to be able to grind the game out and get this thing online because it definitely doesn't start online. Right. Maybe on turn four, you need a way to start sacking the stuff. Cause really, I think you're happy with this once you like, if you can get one bird off of this, you're like, okay, I've gotten my three mana's worth, but you did put something into the graveyard. So you have to be getting value there too. Once you start making two to three birds off of this, then you're going to start grinding out. Also, there's kind of a delay to this effect because if this, if, if let's say you have no enchantments on board, you have no rolls on board. Cause just for the sake of argument, those are the easiest to get into the graveyard. If you have no rolls on board, when you play Knight of doves, you've got to first play a role then play another role to get the first one into the graveyard. Mm. So there's a little bit of a delay to that. And unless you have like really reliable ways to sack enchantments or otherwise be churning rolls out multiple times a turn or something, this yeah. really isn't going to be wing mantle champ, cha- uh, chaplain, not, <laughs> right? Like it's, yeah, it's not making you birds. No, actually crazy rate. There is a cool way to stall out the game with this. If you leave back a blocker that has a roll on it, then your opponent is not excited to attack into it, right? Because then you just maybe you just let that thing die uh, and start grinding and start getting. But like, uh, how turds. often? How often are you just like, man, I really want this creature to die so I can make a one-one? Yeah, you're just incentivized to trade, I guess, right? <laughs> where I, where it works really well is with the cursed rolls, right? But hmm. your your opponent controls those. So that doesn't even work at all with those, actually, oh. now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> Unless you put one on your own thing, I guess. I don't know. I, I think this has some utility. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you curse your opponent's thing and they block with it, then it'll trigger this. Um, yeah. But they could also just not block and then you're not getting your thing. So, yeah, I think you're going to have to really build your deck properly. This is almost like a, a build around like B minus, I guess. Um, this is definitely a... a, a I mean, it's a build you could you could a make a deck. Right? You could make a deck out of like Knight of Doves and our next card, Savior of the Sleeping. Like three of each of these, and the deck just won't do anything if you don't have exactly the, the vector ways to reliably trigger it. Like if yeah. you just forget to put roll cards in, and like you don't have a lot of good enchantments to go to the graveyard, then your deck is just going to be really bad because your vector is just way off point. For sure, and yeah, as Ben mentioned, Savior of the Sleeping is our next card here. This is two and a white for a Human Knight at Common. It's a two-three with Vigilance. Whenever enchant, whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a one-one counter on Savior of the Sleeping. So yeah, we're seeing a decent number of ways to kind of make this happen in terms of um, 
I guess, payoffs for getting your enchantments in the graveyard. Mm, whether this stacks up well against the green-white vector, I think I'd rather be in green-white because that cares about you putting those enchantments in the in the, <laughs> Having of the them board on the field <laughs> this is like the delayed half of that where you like actually want to get rid of them and you need ways to do that in order for these cards to be really worth their mana value now this does pair with ways to you know get enchantments into the graveyard themselves and there is a common black and a common white uh enchantment that etb to make a thing and then uh, to have a thing happen, the black one makes you makes your opponent discard. The white one makes a two two. We'll talk about them in other vectors later as well because they actually have a lot of cross applicability. But there are commons in both colors that uh, can sack themselves. Right? It's kind of like the uh, the omens if you remember from um, Theros Beyond Death. They like ETB to have an effect, and then you can pay three to sack them and like scry or something. I think the white one scries, and the black one. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. It's coming up soon. But uh, in black, we have some other ways uh, to pay off enchantments going to the graveyard and some pretty good ones, too. Yeah, so first up, we have Ashiok's Reaper. This is three and a black for a nightmare at Uncommon. It's a 3-3, three, three, and it says whenever en an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. That's a so, good hill giant. Yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> just solid. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, just a solid hill giant. It's going to give you some... Card draw value. This one, you really only need to get the one card off of it to be happy. Any more than that is just icing. So um, this one will probably see play in every one of these black-white decks. But again, it doesn't do a thing if you can't get an enchantment in the graveyard. Nope. It's just a four mana, three, three. <laughs> it's like a combo deck almost. Kind of reminds me of like the scry decks from LTR. Like when they came together, they were nuts. But... You could also have like a bunch of scry payoffs and then just not enough ways to enable them. And the deck was gross. Like it just couldn't win. Yeah, but I think also in the same way, this reminds me of the scry deck from LTR where like we were talking, I think last week where, you know, LSV had like one of the best scry decks you could actually build. Like even if you could just handpick cards from the set and build the deck with it, he probably had the best one and he still didn't do well. Like the deck still went one, two or one, three or whatever. Like I think this might be the same thing where just, I don't know. It's it's good, but like, is it good compared to everything else everybody else is doing? Probably not. Yeah, it has the same problem, funny enough, as Ramp in Vintage Cube, where when you draw the wrong half of your deck at the wrong time, your deck doesn't function. Like in Vintage Cube, when yep. you draw all of your Ramp spells, when you draw all your Mandatorics, but then you don't draw your Titan or your Hoof, then the deck just can't win. And here, similarly, if you... I mean, if you don't draw your enchantments that go to the graveyard, I don't know, maybe we're underestimating just how common enchantments going to the graveyard are. Because here, I mean, we, we have, we're discussing five strong payoffs for this vector. Um, yeah, uh, the payoffs are all over the place. Yeah, we've, we've got those for sure. Speaking of, uh, our next one here is Wicked Visitor. This is one in a black for a Nightmare at Common. It's a 2-2, two -two, so two mana 2-2. Two -two. At least this one is uh, kind of on rate for its stats. And it says whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So, okay, this one's actively winning you the game in some capacity. That will get problematic if you can do this whole thing. Like, if you can make any of these cards good, they're going to be really good. Um, hmm. I think all of these payoffs, even at, at the common level, are, are quite good. Um, we do have, like, an extra one here. I'm not sure if, uh, if you're watching if you'll be able to see this because I think our heads are going to cover this up, but... Uh, warehouse tabby is black for a one one cat at common whenever an enchantment you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield create a one one rat and then you can pay one and a black and give warehouse tabby death touch until end of turn 
and you know just look at that art sorry watcher slash listener hopefully you're watching um they just look up look at that art it's so funny <laughs> like this this yeah, cat has killed one of the rats and now like there's a million glowing eyes staring at it and the face the cat's making is just you know that that, that that's Priceless. awesome shout out to steve prescott for this for this one so uh let's chat food you know this is a, a vector that's near and dear to your heart black green sure food is. fighters uh, we've got greta sweet tooth scourge as our vector uncommon here one black green for a 3-3 human warrior at Uncommon. It's a legend. When it ETBs, you make a food. We know what that is. It's an artifact. It has two. It says pay two, uh, tap, sack this artifact, you gain three life. And then she has two activated abilities. You can pay green, sacrifice a food, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, activate only as a sorcery. Womp womp. But then it also has one of the black, sacrifice a food, you draw a card and lose one life. That's the big one. I mean, th- this is... It draws a card, it replaces itself automatically as long as she lives long enough to draw that card off the food. I mean, who needs to gain life? You can just draw your deck, right? This card seems great. Yeah, it also pairs really well with any other food. Like, if for some reason the losing a life would be a reason not to sack the food to draw the card, you can sack a food, gain some life, then <laughs> yeah. sack a different food to draw the card. Like, yeah, it, it just works nicely, kind of all synergizes well with each other. And um, otherwise, it's a three mana three three with upside, so not a whole lot to complain about. This pairs well with repeatable uh, food generators. I think there's a five drop in black called Scream Puff that whenever it attacks or hits your opponent, it makes a food. Um, let's chat about Gingerbread Hunter. It's wearing a bunch of like decapitated gingerbread heads around its neck. This giant, this is a funny one. Uh, four and a green, five five. It's a giant and uncommon. When it ETBs, you make a food. Easy. Stabilizing the honey mammoth of the set, if you will. And uh, it also has puny snack, which is two and a black. It's an instant, and it says target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. This is great. I mean, this is just a kill spell or a good combat trick. And it curves into itself, so this is just a nice, solid mid-rangey card. I like it. Also, I just want to point out, like, that's a giant using a sword to pick his teeth. Those gingerbread must have been gigantic because their heads are yeah. not small, really. <laughs> like, well, yeah, they, they don't explicitly talk about it in the main story. Uh, but apparently it seems that there's this place called Sweet Tooth, which is just a place in the wilds of Eldraine that's overrun by candy monsters. You see Greta here is the scourge of this place. But uh, look at those. Those are full-size gingerbread houses. I guess this implies there's full-size gingerbread people. Um, you yep. know that there is a comment to be made about gingerbread people living in houses made of their own flesh, but uh, I don't. I don't think we have time to unpack that one today. Yeah. <laughs> so we can talk about the uh, the witch's vanity. Uh, this is one of the black. It says destroy target creature and opponent controls with mana value two. Or, oh, it's a saga. Uh, chapter one is destroy target creature and opponent controls with mana value two or less. So one of the black to do that, that's already pretty good, right? Just one of the black killer two drop. I like it. Uh, chapter two is you create a food token. And then chapter three is create a wicked roll token attached to target creature you control. And the wicked roll is the one that drains when that aura goes to the graveyard. So black green is kind of set up to be both food, but also bargain. Black green has the easiest time making tokens. Like, look at this. The witch's vanity. I mean, it makes a food, it makes a wicked roll. It also makes this saga. So, you know, occasionally you'll be able to sacrifice this enchantment 
to bargain. Maybe you don't care about getting the wicked roll. You want to, or maybe you don't even care about getting the food or the wicked roll. Uh, you could sacrifice it even on the first turn you play it, right? After you, you destroy one of your opponent's things. Or of course, you could sack the food to bargain or sack the wicked roll to bargain. I mean, this is just like a all one-stop shop for bargaining, right? This just makes so many permanents. That's true. Uh, yeah, and if you have like an instant you can bargain, I guess you could sack this in response to its trigger going on the stack to sack it when you've got too many... Does that, is that how that works? I'm trying I to think, think of how sack the, the stack works. Upkeep. I think it disappears the moment the third... I'm pretty sure by the time the third chapter triggers, uh, it's already in the graveyard. So okay, you could do it Never on your upkeep then. if you want, like during your draw step or just before you get to your main phase, um, before that trigger goes on the stack. And then uh, this is actually that, that enchantment payoff uh, that I was talking about earlier, Hopeless Nightmare. Uh, this is another good bargaining card, but also one that will go perfectly well into black-white. And this one... I don't know. I've seen people saying this could see modern play uh, in Black Burn, which is a deck someone would want to play, I guess. I think you uh, just call that burnt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those those players. I hope you're listening now because you got to take that. Uh, it's just a black mana for an enchantment, a common. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card and loses two life. And then when it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, scry two. And you can pay two in a black to sacrifice it. So this, uh, you know, this is this is perfect, right? This this is like a glue piece that a lot of decks gonna want. The question is, how good is that first part? Making your opponent discard and lose two. I mean, oh man, there's waste not in this set, right? Someone's gonna there make like waste a waste not, not deck with like fifteen of these because no one. I mean, you're gonna They're want not to gonna be high picks, yeah. This. Yeah, unless it's such glue that you can just take this and it's like a safe early pick. Depends how mid ranging the format is too. Like a, an aggro deck doesn't care about this that much, uh, but maybe you could use this to snipe the last card out of your opponent's hands. And then if you can find a way to bargain it, and it scries too, and you bargain, the ETB isn't bad. Like this does just shock your opponent. Oh, this does a ton of stuff for one mana, and it does seem to glue together several of the main vectors. The black white vector wants as many of these as it can get. A deck with enough bargain cards will probably play some of these too. Yeah, I think that's probably something we overlooked with Blackway is that like bargain exists. So you don't necessarily need to be creating more roles. You just need to be able to, you need a balance between that and bargain, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a card that you need. I feel like you need bargain for though, because again, in a black white deck, sure, this comes in, it'll make your opponent discard a card. It'll shock them. Then it just sits on the board, and then you need to put three mana into it to yeah, you don't want to have two, to do and maybe make a one one. Like that just doesn't feel like you, what you want to be doing. Um, but in a bargain deck, I think is this card is going to be pretty solid, and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, you never want to have to pay that three mana. Like that's worst case scenario. Exactly. Yeah. Now here's one I think you'll like if you're not already familiar from like putting in all of your commander decks. Knight of Sweets Revenge, three and a green enchantment and uncommon. When it ETBs, you make a food. Foods you control have tap to add a green. And then you pay seven, five green, green. Sack Knight of Sweets Revenge. Creatures you control get X, X, plus X, plus X, and so on a turn where X is the number of foods you control, activate only as a sorcery. This is a yeah, goofy so one. <laughs> definitely goofy. Four mana, make a food is not what you want, but four mana, make a Lana War Elf maybe could be what you want. And yeah. With upside, obviously. And then obviously all those foods 
could potentially like turning them into mana dorks the turn you play this could potentially mean this is a very roundabout overrun hard yet, to say this isn't overrun this doesn't give trample or evasion or anything right. and it doesn't even make a creature this i think is a trap it's an on vector trap i don't think i would it does feel know, like play that. this card unless you're ramping into something silly because this is just four mana ramp one you could just play a two mana mana dork for this i don't know I, I think this one's bad but it's very funny yeah i could see this be a way to build up to something crazy so you may play this on turn four for next to no value but you're really playing it for that second line there where you're, you're giving all your foods the ability to tap for mana and then turn five you play like an 11 drop or something crazy and then you stabilize right like once you're done tapping the food for mana you can still just sack them to effects it's good right. with greta I don't know. I, I think this is a, a trap, but maybe it's maybe this is a key piece to some ri ridiculous thing. I mean, I'm certainly going to play it at some point. <laughs> it's it's yeah, fun. I think I think there's a specific vector that wants this. It may not be the generic bl uh, black green food vector, but there may be a big turbo. It might even be blue green where you mm, if you can yeah. make enough food and then just, again, cast something really big ahead of curve might just be the way a, a specific vector within this format wins the game. But, but like generically, yeah, I kind of feel like this is a trap. If you're playing a blue-white tapping deck, do you even care that they played? <laughs> you're like, yes, they wasted their turn four. Now I can I can swing and like, yeah, probably not because they're still going to ramp into even if they they wasted turn four and then turn five they play something big. You just tap it down and you you yeah. do your thing. Yeah. Now here's a pretty good this general all-purpose mid-rangey card for this vector: Hollow Scavenger. Uh, two and a green for a three two it's a wolf at common it has pay one sacrifice a food hollow scavenger gets plus two plus two until end of turn activate only once come on give me an antuco husk for food that'd be fun <laughs> um and you have to pay for it too uh whatever this is still threatening uh because it also has bakery raid green okay to food it's a sorcery for the adventure so this fuels itself it curves into itself you're not usually doing something on turn one so you don't mind just you know if this is an open if, if this is in your opening hand you just make a food on turn one you play this on turn three it attacks is functionally a five four and that's that's big and if you can fuel it with more food then that's that's a pretty good attacker yeah this card is confusing to me i really want to hear the like playtest comments on this card like there's like a couple tweaks you would make right it, yeah i mean like at what point were they like okay let's make this cost one mana instead of just sack a food give it plus two plus two until end of turn wait that's not enough make you only do this once a turn like i, I don't get it maybe this should have like i kind of feel like this should have just been yeah. sack a food, give it plus one plus one and you can do it as many times as you want i don't know like, like how how too many food groups you know? here yeah yeah unless this hmm. this could just be and this is a common too so this could be something indicating that food are going to be everywhere and that's so that's true you, if yeah. this was just not this was just going to be too good if it didn't have the cost associated with it and it it was uh unlimited number of activations mm -hmm. that said you can also do this on your opponent's turn this is not one that forces you to be at sorcery speed so that's something to keep in mind too um mm. you can use it on blocks yeah sorcery speed is like the only restriction it doesn't have <laughs> all right next up ah beans we're going up <laughs> Going up the beanstalk here with Troyan Gutsy Explorer. This is one green blue for a Vidalcan Scout. 
It's a one, three. It has tap, add green, blue. Spend this mana only to cast spells with mana value five or greater or spells with X in their mana costs. Okay, so already seems hmm. like blue green wants to go big. Not unexpected. And then it also has the activated ability of blue, tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So nice little looter here. It's not free, but hey, we'll take it. Um, and I think hmm. it's pretty obvious what this is doing, right? We're turning through the deck. We're going to play some big creatures. Vector seems pretty on par for green, blue decks. Yep. I mean, this puts you to six mana on turn four. You cast all your six drops, um, which will trigger. We're going to see that this cares about stuff with mana value five or greater. So it can do that easy. And then if you don't have any in hand, you can find it with a looting ability. Seems really strong. It's a mana dork that's good early and good late. And uh, it is a three mana one three. So, you know, it might be a little loose to a quick assertive start from like a red white deck. But, um, you know, it can still block. Uh, and this also a little note here. Oh, go ahead. What, what's up? I was just going to say, this does let you potentially play a six drop on turn four, which is pretty solid. Yeah, and that'll stabilize. Uh, the, the flavor text, the streets of Ravnica were stifling. Eldraine is an endless adventure paved in gold. If you're wondering what a Vidalkin is doing, uh, this, this Troy in here must have gone through one of the omen paths. So I guess it's now canon that anyone can just be anywhere. Cool. He Good is a know. gutsy explorer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, man, this next card. Can I... Yeah, can I interest you in a new elk? Um, oh, man. Got it's a Tempest good one. Heart. They made an a adventurous good elk. elk. <laughs> yeah, Tempest Heart. This is a three, four for four, three and a green with Trample. Whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, put a one, one counter on it. And then it has an adventure, which is called Scan the Clouds, one in a blue for an instant. Draw two cards and discard two cards. It's an actual good elk for my Gigantha deck. I mean, Gigantha. You know how many how, how many bad elk are like five <laughs> mana six lonely three, sandbar no text yeah yeah like they're all this this is an on vector deck it's also an elemental elk which Gigantha is also an elemental elk an elemental if you will so it, it, it rummages early or loots or whatever draw two discard two it, I mean it's basically a frantic sir <laughs> oh goodness okay let's move on here you're getting a little too excited buddy but uh, yeah I'm happy yeah for you. it's a good card whatever. <laughs> Next up in blue, we've got Galvanic Giant. This is three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three Giant Wizarded Uncommon. Whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, tap target creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. Obviously, hmm. this slots pretty decently into the blue-white vector as well. And we've got an instant adventure here called Storm Reading for five blue-blue. Draw four cards and discard two cards. So yeah, obviously plays well with the, the blue-white vector, but plays actually pretty decently with Troyan as well because you can you know, cast it ahead of curve. This is the kind of, I, I mentioned a six drop, but you could play this on turn five, draw four, discard two, then next turn play the Galvanic Giant. This one with Troyan in play is a little bit less awkward in terms of ordering for the adventure and the creature, but obviously you're going to be able to cast the creature before you can cast the, the uh, adventure here. So a little bit awkward, but they do play well in yeah. that you kind of, it's, it's awkward as well, right? Because you want to be able to do both but in the opposite order because the giant would trigger off of the storm reading. So yeah, yeah it's a little bit yeah, weird. It's a funny one. I don't see the blue white vector caring too much about casting spells of mana value five or greater. No, um, I, I'm not even entirely sure you'd want this card in that deck. So this is a little bit of a funny vector card. It's kind of split here. It almost feels like it's just trying to check a box that I don't think it, I don't think you want it to. Yeah. 
Um, you'd rather have this like draw you a card off that proc, right? Um, but I do think this does have applicability, uh, this one and the next one both, in that no matter what stage of the game you're at, this has some value for the blue-green vector, right? The five or yeah. greater. Because if you don't have a payoff on board yet for your, your huge spell, you just cast it as a four mana three three with this thing. It'll stabilize, it'll slow down your red-white opponent, you know, stunning all their stuff, and it'll, it's a hill giant, whatever. And then if it's the late game, um, you know, if you've like eight lands in play, you get to go, oh, cool, draw four, discard two. You know, you pitch two lands. I mean, this is this is a really good draw spell late game. Trigger all of your draw for, uh, mana value five or greater effects. And then uh, you get a, a four mana three, three staple to it. So um, good early, good very late. Uh, you got to be careful with this one, though. It is slow and it's a little clunky. Also not awful in multiples, right? If you have multiple no, yeah. you're tapping multiple creatures, but then you can get the one triggered it off the, the adventure half of the next. So it does play well in multiples, but yeah, this one I think is going to be a little awkward. I agree with you in terms of blue white. While it does actually seem like it fits well in the blue white deck, that seems to have a pretty low mana value overall. Mm-hmm. And that five or greater thing's probably not happening in most efficient blue white decks. So this might actually be kind of a trap for the blue white deck, but yeah. Next up, we've got Baluna's Gatekeeper. This is five and a blue for a six, five at common giant soldier. And then it has an adventure called entry denied one and a blue for a sorcery return target creature. You don't control with mana value three or less to its owner's hand. So it's basically a brazen borrower. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not quite. This thing's so much bigger than brazen borrower. Obviously this is better. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but it does stabilize a little bit. There's a good tempo play with the, with the entry denied up front. And then sure. You get a big stupid six, five. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this kind of forces you to use the the tempo thing in the way that tempo is worst used for, which is just to kind of stave off the aggressive stuff. This does kill tokens permanently, right? Maybe they put like a monster roll on their rat and you get to just <laughs> send it off to the clouds forever. Um, and then it's a six mana six five, you know, this thing will stabilize. It'll trigger your five or greater and it um it helps you stay alive while you try to land your land drops and and get these big rewards. So seems like a pretty, uh, pretty good piece. I think this deck is going to want some of these things too because there's a there's a weird line this deck is going to ride between needing stuff to shore up your early game so you don't just die, but then yeah. also needing critical mass of mana value five or greater cards. And, and so these both. adventures probably are going to be actually pretty high picks for this type of deck because you do need things to do with your mana early on. Speaking of things that are good to do early on... Next up, up the beanstalk. This is one in a green for an enchantment at uncommon. When up the beanstalk enters the battlefield, and whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, draw a card. Have you heard people saying this is going to see extensive modern play? Uh, I don't really pay attention to modern, so no. But <laughs> I can understand why. Uh, Tron, somewhat anybody? counterintuitively, <laughs> um, this procs off of some of the best evoke elementals, off of um, ah. solitude and fury. And it also procs off of Leyline Binding um, because that, you know, just gets its costs reduced by your basic land types. That's the domain O-ring. So people are saying like, oh, man, in like the four color, five color Omnath piles, which already are playing the one ring. Uh, now they can play a bunch of up the beanstalks and then just like evoke fury and wipe your opponent's board, draw a card. And seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. But it also seems pretty good and limited, too, right? If you can build around this, I mean... This is hard to interact with. Yeah, it's hard to interact with. It's 
slow-ish, but this is another card that's going to give you something to do early in the game. Obviously, two-mana draw card against, like, aggressive decks is not really where you want to be. You'd probably rather this be, like, an actual creature, but it's it's going to help you kind of turn through your deck, find the cards you can play, and kind of keep things going. At least you're using your mana early in the game in a deck that really wants to be casting giant creatures. Yeah, literal literal giant type right. line creatures, right? I mean, if this didn't have a draw card on ETV, I think it'd be pretty mid. But the fact yeah. that it does draw a card, um, it, it can help you. I mean, again, this is weakest against a super assertive red-white deck. But in like a blue-green mirror match, like what if you have two of these, <laughs> you know? Yeah, this deck's also going to have some weird interactions with white-blue where... Your opponent like mm. wants to be tapping all your stuff down, but you're not playing anything for them to tap, and then it's just kind of awkward. And they're like, "Their losing. stuff's not getting triggered," and yeah, right. Hmm. Uh, but last up here, we've got Hamlet Glutton. This is five green green for a six six giant at common. It has bargain, and it says this spell costs two less to cast if it's bargained. Trample, and when it ETBs, you gain three life. So this is a five mana six six trample ETB gain three. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. If you bargain away a food, it's like it ate the food. Yeah. I think that's the, the flavor that's implied too. It's like eating a gingerbread house. So uh yeah, I like it. I mean, again, massive stabilizer, honey mammoth like effect. It's a six six trample. You know, it's no colossal dreadmaw, but um, you know, I'll take it. Look, you can't uh, have your Hamlet and eat it too. <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh something cool about this is that. This will only cost five a bunch of the times, but it will still proc the um, like mana value five or greater stuff, even though it's like a seven drop. Um, yeah. But you're casting it for like five. I guess it'll trigger it no matter what. I don't know, whatever. I was hoping it would go <laughs> below five. If there is a card in the set that does that, that'd be a cool interaction, right? Something that costs like that much less, but it's still proc because its mana value is greater. I don't know. Got excited for nothing. Anyway, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. To blue red adventurous spells, uh, Johan Apprentice Sorcerer, or Johan. I don't know how they pronounce it in this. I'm gonna go with Johan. Like a, a, yeah, let's go with Johan. Uh, this is two blue red for a two five human wizard. That's a that's a thick wizard. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, human wizard. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. And then once each turn, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from the top of your library. And it has a reminder text. You still pay its costs. Timing rules still apply. So you can't, you know, flash in a sorcery. Now, this might seem a little weird. Um, you know, you don't want to put that many instants and sorceries in your deck when a lot of the best uh, uh, spells in the set are stapled to creatures as adventures, right? But unless I'm wrong... I'm 99% sure this lets you cast the adventure side of a creature off the top of your deck. I believe that's true, yes. So that kind of lets you cast adventures and creatures off the top of your library. You just have to make sure you cast the adventure side first. And that won't always work, but it does work with Frolicking Familiar. That's two and a blue. It's a 2-2 flying. It's an otter wizard. And yeah, okay. it is. <laughs> I guess that could fly. <laughs> sure. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, uh, it gets plus one, plus one, it's on a turn. Nice. And then it has an adventure, Blow Off Steam. It's an instant. It says Blow Off Steam deals one damage to any target. So if I have this interaction, like the way I think this interaction works, uh, Johan would let you play Blow Off Steam. You just ping something, you know, maybe a snipe a rat or a fairy or whatever. 
And then you get to also, and you do that off the top of your library. And then you can just cast the Frolicking Familiar because then the adventure puts it in exile. Then you just get your 2-2 flyer. I can't tell you how happy I am that they've associated otters with like spellcasting in the magic (laughs) universe. Gloomboro, I can't wait. There's a really strong (laughs) chance I'm going to have an otter commander deck coming out of that set. (laughs) Now, the question is, would you... Oh no, Lutri is banned in Commander, right? Lutri banned is banned in Commander, unfortunately. You can unfortunate. still run that was it banned, as a Commander, period. though. No, it's just banned. Really? You it's can't just Commander? straight up oh, banned. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, that kind of sucks. What if you just yeah. play it in the 99? You just, you just, no, it's you know, literally banned in the format. It. You can't play it at all. Rule zero it into the It's not that good. It's just a dual caster me. It's just rule zero it into the 99. Or like... Tell you what, maybe put a dual caster mage in your deck, and then when you cast it, just like quick swap it out for a Lutri, and then no one will even know. That's with like yeah. more power or something. Anyway, Frolicking Familiar, this seems good. You know, it's a three mana two two flying prowess, and uh, it has this little bonus of getting to snipe a, a rat or a fairy. Maybe if your opponent plays like a good one mana one one on turn one, like that fairy, hoping to do that blue white tap down plan and grow the fairy over time, this just snipes that really quick. So here's a, another kind of sneaky inclusion for this vector, Chancellor of Tales. This is three and a blue for a 2-3 flyer. A lot of these types of like under-bodied or maybe over-costed bodies, uh, things that you know, are a little expensive but have cool payoffs, thinking it might be a slower format because of that. Uh, it's a flyer, so four mana 2-3 flyer. It's a fairy advisor at Uncommon. Whenever you cast an adventure spell, you may copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So what I think this deck is trying to do, this vector is prioritizing good adventure instants and sorceries. Things like blow off steam. So, you know, you get to copy blow off steam, you get to ping two things instead. And again, you could do that off the top of your library. That'd be pretty good. Yep. And uh, this is kind of like the lucky clover of the set, right? That was generic. You could put it in any deck because it was colorless. Um, but this is just copying uh, instants and the sorcery, or rather, copying adventures. Uh, we saw with Lucky Clover just how busted copying adventures could be. So, you know, I'm taking this card seriously. And then a pretty good instant, instant or sorcery, Sleight of Hand. This is a reprint, and this is a really good one. Look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the other on the bottom of your library. Let's you see two cards, you get one, the other goes away. Uh, kind of bad if you see two cards you really want, but. This is a cantrip, right? This draws you a new one. This this will trigger all of your uh, incident sorcery stuff. Like it'll trigger the otter, its prowess ability, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. You can cast this one off the top. Seems good. Uh, just a nice kind of glue piece that I think the blue incident sorcery vector deck will care a lot about. Also, I just uh, I can't get over the flavor on this card, the art and the flavor text. The farmer was amazed to see the penny vanish into thin air, but the goose knew he'd just slipped it to the fairy. <laughs> Like, did I just say that? Is that a real sentence I just said? This implies that the goose knows what's going on. <laughs> the goose is smarter than the farmer, yes. Oh, that's funny. I really love the sub-flavor in this set about geese. Like, they just went really hard in, into, like, yeah. the geese theme in this set. The, uh, the thing they posted the day that's just, like, honk, 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 yeah. honk, 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 honk. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm a sucker for some, some good goose humor. All right, so a couple other things here, along with red for this vector. We've got Hearth Elemental. This is a cool one. Five and a red for a four, five at Uncommon. Six out of four, five. That's lame. It's an elemental. Uh, it, this spell costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard that are instant cards, sorcery cards, and or have an adventure. 
Cool. So it kind of checks your adventure cards. It's basically having an instant or sorcery. So a creature will count towards this too. This means you can get a really high density for this this uh, this ability, right? Usually in your blue-red decks and limited, you have to play like one or two creatures or you want to cut them so that you don't you know, fight against the vector of your instant and sorcery payoffs. Think Gandalf Sanction from the, from the LTR, right? You don't want to play too many creatures because then Gandalf Sanction would only hit for like three or four or five. But this one, it counts your, your creatures with adventures too. So they count towards your instant and sorcery spell count. Uh, and just for the record, this is kind of how all of these effects, uh, this clause checking instant sorcery and or adventure, that's how it's, uh, it's clause for the entire set. So a uh, really cool thing here. This could be a, like a three mana four or five. Although and, I will uh, say the wording on this one does make me th- think that Johan doesn't work the way we thought it did. I, I think like it makes I, it more so that it would count towards that, right? Well, well, the way that they like spe- specified and or have an adventure makes me feel like Johan should also have that. Oh, I think it just sees. I think they don't want Johan to be able to cast creatures with an adventure off the top. Yeah, they can only cast the instant or sorcery side. Yeah, I guess yeah. we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm, yeah, you're probably I'm right. Pretty sure. I'm hoping it I, uh, that would make Johan way way worse. So yeah. I'm I'm hoping you're right. Now this thing also has an adventure. It is Stoke Genius, <laughs> stoking like you're stoking the flames. Oh, that's a card too. Uh, I like it. One to red. Uh, it's a sorcery for the adventure half. You can discard your hand, then draw two cards. Okay, so let's see. Now, let's say you're, you're, you see this on the top of your library with Johan. This is nuts with Johan then, because you get to free cast that off the top. Well, not free cast, but you get to cast the adventure part. If you're empty-handed, this is the good templating, right? Where you discard your hand, then draw two. If you're empty-handed, it's just a two-mana draw two. And that's obviously yep. really strong. Then you get access to the hearth elemental, and by that point in the game, it'll probably cost like two mana. I mean, uh, think like the the serpent, right? The Telarian terror. That would sometimes be like a one mana five five. This I think could pretty easily be a one mana four five. And then you're drawing two off of the Stoke Genius. That this is great for this vector. Yeah, I'll say too. I don't know that you would ever really want to do this, but in for whatever reason, maybe there's a, a, a scenario where you actually want to do this. If your hand has a handful of adventure cards in it. You can discard them. That will make the Hearth Genius that much cheaper. And mm-hmm. then you could cast it ahead of curve. Again, not really sure Plays why you would itself. want to do that. But yeah, it does play into itself. Yeah, you have a backup plan. Of Suddenly you realize your entire hand of stuff is invalid. And you need a new hand of two cards right away. You have that out. There's also Frantic Firebolt. Two in a red. Instant at common. Frantic Firebolt deals X damage to target creature. Where X is two plus the number of cards in your graveyard that are instant cards, sorcery cards, and or have an adventure. So this is like a common Gandalf sanction. That's really good. Although it doesn't hit the player for the, the trample effect. But this will often be a three mana deal five, six, seven. Um, it just gets better in the late game. And at base, it's a three mana deal two. But it's not that hard to make this a three mana deal three or four. And that's where you really start to hit the sweet spot. That being said, I don't think you want this outside of the blue-red spells adventure vector. Maybe if you're red-green and you have a ton of creatures with adventures, but uh, otherwise I'd get worried. Plus, we even saw that there's ways to self-mill, right? That blue fairy that self-mills puts a, an instant sorcery or fairy into your, into your hand from the graveyard, but it, the rest just stays there. This pairs well with that, too. Yep. All right, on to our last vector here. This is white-red. Celebrate good times. <laughs> Come on. Appreciate the reference. Yeah, appreciate the reference. 
Our signpost vector here, our vector signpost is Ash Party Crasher. This is red white for a 2 2 human peasant. It has haste and it has celebration. Whenever Ash Party Crasher attacks, if two or more non land permanents enter the battlefield under your control this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Ash. So, hmm. not happening the turn it comes down, but a two mana 2 2 haste, totally fine. And um, this is going to be the kind of deck where you're going to want to turn four, play two, two drops, right? So, you know. Um, these are the kind of things you're looking to, as well as um, any one mana adventures that create tokens and, hmm. you know, cheaper creatures that are attached to those. These are different ways you can do that. Um, you similar to, oh, go ahead. You mentioned playing two, two drops on turn four. Ash is actually great for that, as long as you sequence yeah. it right, right? Right. Um, actually, you don't even have to. It's just whenever, whenever Ash attacks. attacks. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that's great. Play two two drops. Ash can be one of them. So good on turn two. Good on turn three. If you have a one drop, good on turn four. Wait, no, hold on. Not good on no. Yeah, good. good it's on fine turn on three. Turn two. Or if you have like a, a a two a three mana ETB make a thunder thing like three mana ETB make a food or something. I like it. Yep. And then our our adventure here at the uncommon slot, the kind of multicolor adventure, is Imidane's Recruiter. This is two and a red for a human knight at uncommon. It's a two two. When Imidane's Recruiter enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain haste until end of turn. So cool. pretty solid. It also hits himself, so even if you have no other creatures, you're at least giving him plus one, plus oh, and haste. And then at the adventure side is Train Troops. This is four and a white for a sorcery. This says create two, two, two white knight creature tokens with vigilance. Is this the world's biggest heroic reinforcements? Like you do... The world's you, you biggest... Get... Well, think about mm. it. You, 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 uh, well, it's most expensive, turn, maybe. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think the dream here is you do this with eight lands in play. You know, the red-white deck that's still going on turn eight. This is an out, right? right? You'd rather do this turn five and then uh. untap and play the recruiter the next turn. But you could, in theory, play both halves of this in the same turn and swing for nine haste. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, assuming that there was nothing else on the board, but you're likely swinging for quite a bit more. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Next up, we've got Gallant Pie Weld Wielder. This is two and a white for a Dwarf Knight at Uncommon. It's a 2-3 with first strike, as, and it has double strike as long as two or more non-land permanents enter the battlefield under your control this turn. Yeah. Cool. Three-minute 2-3 two, three first strike. They don't print those that often. I mean, that this just sits back and makes rats look like ridiculous, <laughs> right? Yeah. That this yeah. invalidates a lot of ground attackers. And you're happy to leave it back until you can trigger celebration, and then you just slam with the two three double strike. That's impossible to block. This is a great card. Yeah, there's another one. So you really you just love like turn two ash, turn three gallant pie wielder, turn four two drop two drop swing. Uh, you're feeling yeah. really good at that point. Time for your just desserts. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> now, yeah, this is then, another big card. Yeah, uh, this one. Yeah, Hopeful Vigil. One and a white for an enchantment at common. When Hopeful Vigil enters the battlefield, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. When it is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, scry two, and you can pay two and a white to sack it. This is kind of part of that cycle that, that Ben was talking about before. You saw the black one earlier. This is one card, makes two permanents for two mana. Yeah, does, does all the things. You're, you're pretty happy with this one. Mm -hmm. And it has the exact same uh, like text line as the black one, where when it's put into a graveyard, you scry two, so it's great to bargain. Um, but you can also pay two and a white and sack, so it has that out. 
I feel like a curve of the one mana black one into the hopeful vigil that sets up that black white deck in a way that I don't think we saw because we were looking at just the payoffs. But if you have like four to five of those two cards, the black one and this one, some mix of the two, then your deck can really churn. Right. And this obviously just triggers celebration by itself. Um, The two, two vigilance night is a good body for two mana. And um, it's fine. A bargain in like a red white deck too. So. I see Hopeful Vigil as one of the top white commons easily. I think this is a very important card for the format. Yeah, definitely for this vector. And like you mentioned, white-black as well. Uh, I think maybe the only white deck that doesn't particularly care to have this might be blue-white, but you're not going to be upset with a 2-mana 2-2 regardless in that deck. And then on red, we've got Belligerent of the Ball. This is two and a red for an Ogre Warrior Uncommon. It's a 3-3, and it has Celebration. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if two or more non-land permanents enter the battlefield under your control this turn, target creature you control gets plus one, plus zero, and gains Menace until end of turn. Nice. Yeah, not not too shabby by itself with three mana, four, three with Menace, if you can do the thing. Celebration is one that... uh, I feel like it's going to be very difficult to keep up with as the game goes. So this will definitely, I mean, it plays into the aggressive nature of this, this vector, right? Because you can't keep doing the whole and make two non-land permanents enter the battlefield every turn thing. Yeah. You probably only have like two or three turns of that if you're lucky. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you really want to close the game out once, once you can do that. And the flexibility to give anything 1-0 in Menace, especially because it's not just this, you can pick what it is too. Uh, right. This does make it a pretty flexible card, right? You can give maybe your, your Flyer Menace so that it can attack through their single chump blocker they left back. So cards that ETB to make two bodies obviously pair really well with this card and the whole vector. Um, the next of which we see is a bunch of good boys. And is that a rat? That is a rat, yes. Edgewall pack. This is three and a red for a dog at common. It's a 3-3 with Menace, and when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 rat. Can't block. Huh. So so this is, I mean, this is a solid body, right? Um, Four and a Menace is pretty, yeah, pretty decent. What was that stupid, um, the, the draft chaff hero from um, all of one? Did you just call a draft chaff hero stupid? Let's be honest. We know this one was bad, right? Well, I, I don't even remember the name, and I love our draft draft fears, but this is like our least favorite one in the wild. The, the four mana, three, three, haste, ETB make a one, one. Chimney rabble? Yeah, yeah, the, the rabble. Um, this is basically that, except instead of haste, it's, it's menace, right? This is, I see this is better, and this pairs a lot better with the vector. In that set, it was just kind of like a boring, generically good card that, you know, in a format where the vectors were so narrow that a lot of them just didn't do anything, uh, except oil, of course. Here, this aligns perfectly with the celebration vector. It ETBs, it makes two solid bodies, the rat, which we've seen rats have a lot of applicability. For example, you'd put this card in the rats deck for sure. Uh, and then a 3-3 menace, which is just, you know, a solid attacker. Yeah, I guess they're teaming up against the cats here. Yeah, look at that rat. I love these like hyper-realistic Dobermans and then just a rat sitting on top of one and like pointing. <laughs> implying they can communicate uh, whatever let's not read into the, the the logic too much now we do have some colorless stuff to talk about uh some tasty treats if you will there's candy trail uh a one mana food clue cool uh at common when it enters the battlefield you scry two it has two mana tap sacrifice it you gain three life and draw a card 
so this is a food and a clue stapled together right it just yeah, does I mean, both that's, that's all it is yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny but i don't know how good this is i don't think this is great because it doesn't really work with the bargain in the same way that the, those black and white versions did like the vigil the vigil you would get the scry when you sacked it right and then it just had the out of being able to sack it this card would be a lot better if it had the out of pay two mana sack it and then just that's it and then when it goes to the graveyard you draw a card and gain three life but as it is this just kind of spins the wheels right i don't think there's any vectors that really care about you know just like having permanence at the graveyard like this and it's an artifact so it's not going to proc the black white enchantress like kind of graveyard hitting one i don't know this one seems a little misplaced i guess it's cheap and colorless so and it draws a card if you're struggling to hit celebration, but a red white deck doesn't want to gain through life and draw a card that often. I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's cute, but maybe the food deck wants this. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know that any particular deck wants this. It's probably a 23rd playable in any deck that didn't quite get there in the draft. It's nice that you can draw the card for no extra cost. I mean, you're paying two to sack your foods normally. So Mm -hmm. just getting the card for free is kind of nice. And you got the scry two for the one mana to begin with. So it's definitely the best food we've ever seen in terms of just like straight up common <laughs> food. But uh, yeah, I don't think you want this any more than any other food token in in the, the food decks hey. might want to <laughs> spend a card on it and they might not. Watch it. Ginger Brute is right there. <laughs> and Ginger Brute is actually reprinted in this set. Uh, the old one man of one one haster can't be blocked except by creatures <laughs> with haste if you pay one and then you can tap sack it to gain three new and updated art this time around ginger brute looks like he's gotten his way into the wilds and is running away from another wolf so um that one's here too there's also prophetic prism uh it's the two mana uh artifacts etbs you draw a card and then it can filter your mana not really sure what deck is going to want this one either maybe a multicolor adventure pile or something like that i don't know this one is good to sack for bargain um because this one you know it's just filtering your mana otherwise two mana draw a card but th- this also seems replacement level right you'd rather have one of those black or, or white versions and then similarly we have scarecrow guide uh two mana two one reach common uh, it has pay one add one mana of any color activate only once each turn so a little bit of similar fixing to prophetic prism um basically has the same ability as it, it can filter one of your mana each turn it's a two mana two one reach that might be relevant if you're playing against like a fairies deck or something but uh otherwise this one i mean sometimes they'll put a colorless two mana scarecrow in the set that has some kind of fixing ability and let's be honest it's never been good yeah not really next up we got the the lands kind of also in the colorless sort of section of the show here we have uh, crystal grotto which is a common etb scry one tap to add colorless and then you can pay one tap it add one man of any color so it's a, a nice filter land and then also evolving wilds we see these in pretty much every set but just worth mentioning here um there are going to be there are ways to filter your, your mana in this format and none of them are inefficient we, a lot of times we'll see cards that are like pay two mana and tap to add one man of any color so you can kind of pay extra to filter your lands these are all just one for one filters which is pretty nice to see and implies that there are going to be some kind of wedge decks at the very least like you may need them for splashing crystal grotto is probably going to be a super solid pickup in just about any deck um unless you're maybe in red white like strictly red white and you really need to not have etb well this one doesn't even need to be tapped i guess so crystal grotto is pretty solid colorless lands early can like once you put three of these in a deck you're really starting to push it how aggressive you can get 
Uh, two, I think, is maybe the most you'd ever play. Because, uh, I mean, what if you just draw two of these in your opening hand? And then you have a bunch of multicolored spells and you, you can't cast them. Um, that being said, I do think this is a way to freely splash some of those uh, kind of off-color adventures, right? This means you yeah. can put those, those cards into any deck that touches either half. It's actually kind of better to be main in the adventure half and then splash the creature because you usually want to cast the adventure half first anyway to get maximum value out of the card. So Crystal Grotto, I think you will pretty much just, if you have a couple of those, um, a package of like two of those off-color adventure cards and like one to two Crystal Grottos or one to two Grotto and Evolving Wilds, that's basically a free splash. Yeah, I'll also say, I mean, I did mention that these aren't inefficient. When you put this effect on a land, it is inefficient because you're spending, you are still spending technically two mana, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. Now, before we send you on our way with our top comments in each color, uh, we're going to do a full show on Enchanting Tales, but we want to run you through some traps real quick uh, to make sure you don't put any of these in your pre-release deck unless you really know what you're doing. Okay, we're going to bullet speed these. Intangible Virtue. Don't put this in your deck unless you have a million token makers. You know, you want a lot of tokens because this doesn't buff your non-tokens. And the rats having vigilance doesn't actually do anything. Uh, The ley lines. You don't want to put these in your deck, except the flash one. That one could be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. The blue one that gives flash. Um, But the ley line of the void and ley line of sanctity, the black and white ones, you don't want these. I don't think the red one's that good either. And... uh, the green one actually could be something. I don't know. The, the, the black and white ley lines, though, don't, don't put those in your deck. I joked about Phyrexian Unlife earlier. I would not advise playing this. Three mana to gain 10 life is usually not worth it. And uh, that's three mana to gain 10 life and pray your opponent doesn't have a, a disenchant effect, of which there are plenty in this format. As for Told, um, hmm. You know, you're, you're going to put one in your deck, Zach, but, you know, I hope the listener doesn't because this this is just so <laughs> slow. Uh, it doesn't really do anything. It, it, it functionally just adds mana. You can't really spend time doing that. Uh, omniscience. Bit it's of a joke of a for card. for your blue-white tapper deck. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, omniscience. Don't put this in your deck. Yeah, it's fun. Just sell it. It's going to be worth like 20 bucks. Um, you know, take it. Be happy you opened it. It's got great art. Uh, no but you just can't like what what are you going to do play your 10th land and then cheer as you can now play stuff for free you already could play stuff for free you have 10 lands um included bonds i think this one's a trap five mana whenever a land enters under your opponent's control they lose two life and you gain two life you could side this in against blue green ramp but besides that i do think this is bad i mean your red white deck opponent just looks at this and goes okay i just won't play any lands (laughs) <laughs> I'm I done. I will say I am uh I'm gonna just just foretelling it now. You're gonna get run over by a blue green omniscience deck, and you're gonna completely <laughs> change your opinion on omniscience in this format. I still don't think okay. it's that great, but I think because it triggers the five mana or greater thing, and then it makes all your spells free that will continue to trigger all those things, it might have a home in a very oh, tight, so like- very specific vector. Are you saying you want to build like a double up the beanstalk, like all ramp cards? Yeah. All yeah, it's a very okay. tight vector, but I think there is a place for it in the format. But don't put it in any other deck. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. I, I got to give that. I got to give you that one. A couple more. Pr- Prismatic Omen. One of the green enchantment lands you control every basic land type in addition to the other types. Okay. 
<laughs> you, you did it. You have fixed your mana perfectly as long as you draw this card and then it doesn't actually do anything. Unnatural growth. I, I don't see this working. Uh, one green, 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 green. And does it even matter what the card says after that? Like, uh, <laughs> I, I will say this can work in some very long game decks. Maybe if you can skew your red green deck to be mostly green sources, but I mean, this would have been good in old Eldraine where you were encouraged to play monocolored. And this doubles the power and toughness of all the creatures you control, which is a strong effect. But think of this as like an eight drop, not as like a five drop. And you don't always want an eight drop. But Ben, if I play Prismatic Omen on two, then I can unnatural growth on five no matter what. <laughs> all right, you got me there. Uh, you know what? Uh, has no effect. Wait, hold on. All these ones that just affect basic lands, just <laughs> there's all this nonsense. Blood Moon, don't play Blood Moon. What are you going to do? Turn off your opponent's evolving wilds? Just turn their evolving wilds into a mountain? Okay. Uh, mana Flare doubles the amount of mana. Oh, this is how you cast Omniscience. Right. <laughs> you, you Mana Flare. Unless your opponent dumps their hand the turn after you play it. And then well, no, because if you have omniscience, you play your whole. Hmm. You have to mana flare omniscience in the same turn, so you need like still ten lands or whatever. But <laughs> but if you mana flare, then your opponent also gets to cast their whole hands. It's like you gave your opponent omniscience too. But mana, don't play mana flare. A lot of these, their biggest problem is they put you down a card for the effect, like mana flare, prismatic omen. These are good cards, right? They do things. These are good effects. But you're spending a card to do it while your opponent's playing a three mana three three. And this is limited, not commander. Waste Knot is in this set. Ugh. I don't know. Someone's going to build a good Waste Knot deck with like four copies of that one black discard. Oh, and there's the Fairy Thoughtseize too. And there's like a four mana make your opponent discard too. I don't know. I, I don't think this one's good, but someone will first pick it and then take every single card that says discard on it. And it'll be a kind of cool deck unless they don't draw the Waste Knot. You might say uh, you should Waste Knot a pick on this one. <laughs> <laughs> i'm certainly waste nodding a pick on this <laughs> uh similar with sanguine bond uh whenever you gain life target opponent loses that much life you can turn your food into lightning helixes that can only hit your opponent's face no thanks Wait, you're trying not to get me to take this card <laughs> <laughs> okay if you open one of these in paper you should just take it this is a high value card but you know whatever uh, let's run through some top commons real quick. In white, we've got Hopeful Vigil. More um, than one in the white, make it 2-2 with Vigilance. Love it. Um, it triggers all sorts of stuff that you want. It's good for bargaining. It triggers celebration. I think this will be great. It's even enchantment, you know? That's just going to proc some stuff. There's also Cooped Up. This is the pacifism of the set. One in a white, it's an aura. Enchants a creature, and the enchanted creature can attack or block. And you can pay two in a white to exile the enchanted creature. So, um, you know, th this is a solid effect. Um, it kind of hedges against the disenchants of the set. We saw the oof. There's also a common white disenchant, I think. Um, maybe it's green, I forget. Uh, there's ways to disenchant, you know. It's so, also super synergistic with, like, the black-white decks where you can, you can get an enchantment in the graveyard while also still dealing with the creature that you originally put the enchantment on. If you have an instant speed bargain effect, you can... Yeah, hold on. You can activate that ability. That ability goes in the stack, and then you bargain away the uh, the uh, the cooped yeah. up. Yeah, because the That's stacking it. the cooped up is not part of the activation cost. So, yeah, yeah, 
Oh man, it's like that flicker effect from Theros Beyond Death. It was a similar effect, except it costs three. Um, it was a pacifism. It had the same text, Exile, Enchanted Creature, but you could flicker the, uh, the aura instead. Here you can bargain it, and there might even be an, a flicker that hits auras. I don't know. There's also Archon's Glory. White for an instant with bargain uh, at common. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If this spell was bargained, that creature also gains flying and lifelink until end of turn. Can I interest you in a uh, in an upgraded Baneslayer Angel creature for just one mana? I mean, th- this just kills your opponent, right? Um, I, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think this isn't going to be quite as good as you think it is, but... It's one still, mana, still two, two it's effects. So they always overperform, and this one will swing with the giving the thing lifelink. That's like one of the best abilities to give it instant speed. The swings races. Occasionally, there'll be a board stall, and your opponent is playing like red green, and they have a big board, and your little like red white deck is like, oh man, how am I going to break through? You top deck this and go, oh, they're just dead. Well, I guess, but like you. The whole thing implies you want to be doing this after, like, you want to do this at instant speed to, like, get your opponent. But the fact that it gives flying means you want to do it before you declare attacks, or at least yeah, before they declare blocks. Uh, I guess. I think this is a, a very flexible combat trick. I mean, think of Aerial Boost, right? That was one of the top white cards from uh, March of the Machine. That was a very similar effect. It gave plus two, plus two in flying. This gives lifelink too, and it only costs one. And yeah, you have to bargain, but you'll have a hopeful vigil laying around or a cooped up or something. So I, I think this is going to be great. All right, on to blue here. For blue, we've got misleading moats. This is three and a blue for an instant at common. Target creature's owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. We've seen these sort of tuck effects before. They they do tend to be decent removal in blue, and blue doesn't tend to get a lot of removal. So you're probably going to want these. Um, we've got Johan's stopgap at three and a blue for a sorcery with bargain. This spell costs two less to cast if it's bargained and return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, draw a card. So again, pretty solid removal. It replaces itself kind of like a remand you can use after the fact, which is, uh, this is pretty a nice. gross card. Like a, a two mana. let's just assume you can bargain, right? It seems like that's going to be pretty free. Uh, two mana bounce a thing, draw a card that that's really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Our, our last one here, admittedly, I'm I'm kind of torn on which yeah. of these is going to be better, but I think one of these is going to be is going to be up there. Uh between Quick Study and Sleight of Hand. Quick Study is the upgraded divination. They finally did it. They made a strictly better divination. Just two in a blue, instant speed, draw two cards. That that's really good. And then Sleight of Hand, we mentioned earlier, that's the one blue. Look at the top two, put one in hand, one on the bottom. I think one of these draw effects is going to be up there. I just don't know what the speed of the format or what the instant and sorcery decks are trying to do, which ends up being better, whether they want selection or raw card advantage. I'm not sure. Yeah, also, I've, I've seen some people just mention this is too completely irrelevant to the format itself, but based on just the naming, Quick Studies one we probably will see get reprinted when we go back to Arcavios and Strixhaven. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Now, Black's top commons. We've got Candy Grapple. One in the black. It's a candy apple. Uh, it's an instant at common. It is bargain. It says target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. If the spell is bargained, that creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn instead. So it's one of those flexible on its front side. It kills basically anything that, you know, costs three or less. Honestly, there were a lot of four mana spells, four mana creatures 
that uh that cost or that had uh like stats of x3 or less so like four mana three three flyers stuff like that so this will deal with pretty much anything and then uh it'll deal with literally everything if you bargain it like there's no way five five isn't getting what you want so also the flavor text is th- this this is the complete flavor package uh it's a candy apple uh, and the flavor is, don't you mean poisonous? There's no such thing as a venomous. Ah! <laughs> yeah, Shadow of the Oath. Uh, three black black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature or enchantment. Okay, black can just do that now. Create a wicked roll token attached to up to one target creature you control. So, you know, really strong effects. Uh, just kills anything. You get a wicked roll too. And uh, some fantastic art by Dominic Mayer, as usual. So, big fan of this card. And I think Voracious Vermin here is going to be up there. That was the three-mana 2-1 ETBs to make a rat. And then whenever another creature you control dies, you put a counter on it. These three-mana make-two-body black cards, they just always overperform. All right, on to red. We've got Torch the Tower. This is red for an instant common. It has Bargain. Torch Tower deals, deals two damage to target creature or Planeswalker. If the spell was bargained, instead it deals three damage to that permanent and you scry one. If a permanent dealt damage by Torch the Tower would die this turn, exile it instead. Not a strictly better shock because it can't hit people, it can't hit your players, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's almost a lightning bolt, right? Like th- this, is, yeah. this is a pretty solid little burn spell or you know removal spell in red decks. And um, I think we're going to see this as a pretty high pick in all the red white decks. Yeah. Getting the scry helps you find more gas too. Red doesn't usually get yep. that kind of filtering. Next up, we've got cut in. This is three and a red for a sorcery at common. It, it deals four damage to target creature and create a young hero roll token attached to up to one target creature. You control kind of the red ancillary to the, uh, shatter the oath. We just saw, um, four mana deal for is pretty bad, but, we usually see like five mana spells at kind of like a five mana deal five or something to that effect. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is this version of it, this set and making the enchantment is not nothing in this format. So probably going to be pretty decent. And then lastly, we've got edge wall pack here. This is three and a red for a three, three with menace. We talked about this one earlier, makes the one, one when it ETBs. Um, yeah, just super solid creature, good body, good effects and does the celebration thing for you. So I think that's that's going to be pretty solid in most red decks as well. And now, last but not least, our top green common estimations. We've got Root Rider Fawn. Uh, that's the one in a green, one three. It's a Seder Scout, a common. It is tapped to add a green, and it also has one tap to add amount of any color. So similar to that Grotto, it can filter. I see this as another great way to splash those off-color adventure cards or just to maybe make some kind of multicolor pile. Um, otherwise, it's just a good mana dork. We've got Curse of the Were Fox. This is a funny one. Uh, two and a green. It's a sorcery. Create a monster roll token attached to target creature you control. When you do, that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. So uh, the, the nice up to one templating is in there in case they they you know save their thing with an effect. Uh, plus, this is you know adding a permanent plus one plus one to your thing uh, and giving it trample too. So you can probably use this punch one of your opponent's things and then uh, attack through for a bunch. And last but not least, I have a maybe a hot take one here, but this just seems like a, a such a good value card. Ferocious Werefox. 300 green for a 4-3 trample. And then it has guard change as an adventure. That's one of the green instant. Create a monster roll token attached to target creature you control. And that just gives it 1-1 one, one and trample. And that's an instant. 
So an instant speed plus one plus one trample aura that'll also proc all of your aura stuff. This just seems like such a good rate that I feel like you're never cutting this card from a green deck. Yeah, it does feel a little awkward in that like most time, like if you're trying to play it on curve, you don't typically want to use this on two. So then maybe you play a two drop and then you want to use this on three so that you can play the where Fox on four, but then you're wasting a mana on turn three. So it feels a little inefficient to me, but um, it, it's it's pretty good value for one card. So, you know, mm-hmm. not going to complain too much about that. And uh, that's our format breakdown. We did it. We got there. Thanks for sticking around, folks. We really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, come drop by the Discord and let us know. We also have a new form out for feedback on the show. So if you'd like to give feedback, we take that directly and and use it to help influence what we do here with the show. So check that out. You can find it in the Discord. It'll also be in the episode description slash show notes um, that you can just get in any podcast app that you're listening on. Or if you're on YouTube, it'll be there in the description as well. And again, the link to the Discord is also in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who supports us there. We do this for you guys, so thanks so much. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. Okay, so I've got a quick sign-off here. Uh, let me just pull this deck up so, so everyone gets to see, because this... This is a vintage cube deck that I drafted, and you can actually see I've titled my sign-off Black Lotus. Fun while losing. Uh, <laughs> take a good look at this deck, uh, especially those, those watching. I'm not going to have time to shout out every card, but just a run-through of some of the most busted cards in this deck. This was like a, an artifact deck in vintage cube. And these decks, they, they try to play their whole hand as fast as possible. They tend to be really quick. The goal of this deck was to, on turn one, on the first turn of the game play my entire hand and then wheel into a new hand and hopefully play that entire hand too. Uh, and then maybe cast my deck, see what happens from there. We had a uh, Telerian Academy, which taps for mana equal to the, the artifacts you control. Mitra's workshops. I had a black Lotus, some moxes, a Lotus petal for early accelerants, mana vault too. Um, some early artifacts in Esper Sentinel, Thraven Inspector, hard evidence, a million talismans, uh, I had balance in this deck because when you have enough like artifact mana sources, you can just play one or two lands and then make your opponent sack all of theirs and sack all their creatures too. Balance is messed up in a deck like this. And then I had uh, the good cards. Uh, the One Ring, Mystic Forge, Karn, Aetherflux Reservoir, a combo with Bolus's Citadel, where you can... Uh, I had a game where I had them both in play. Bolus's Citadel, you pay life to cast cards off the top of your deck. But Aetherflux Reservoir says whenever you cast a spell, you gain life equal to the number of spells that have been cast this turn. So if you cast like one, two, three things off of Bolas' Citadel, you start netting positive on life, which ended up happening. And I went infinite on life and uh, I used Mystic Forge to clear off the top of the deck, um, using other things too, using Golos to go tutor out Telerian Academy uh, or another busted land and then clear off the top of the deck. I had Echo of Eons and Wheel of Fortune to wheel upheaval i floated like 15 mana one game cast upheaval replayed my entire deck while they had no permanence in play did i mention i went one two (laughs) 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 because this deck was so much fun one of the most fun decks I've, i've ever piloted in my life if you've never played vintage cube with a black lotus especially in a broken shell like this it is absurdly fun it is the peak that you can do in magic 
But one of the games, I, I actually did all of this. I played all my stuff, cast the, a nonsensical amount of things, made like 15, 15 Karn tokens. And then my opponent on my end step went, Pestermite, untap, Kiki Twin. And then the game just <laughs> ended. <laughs> because despite this deck being incredibly good, it was actually missing some things. It was missing like a, like a tinker for the early, early consistent Bolas' Citadel. It was missing interaction, like force of will and force of negation to make sure my opponent couldn't resolve their game plan. So uh, Vintage Cube for, for all that I love it and uh, for even getting the pilot a busted pile like this. And I got to say, the games that I won were a lot of fun, but the games that I lost were usually pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm.